So have you decided what you're going to spend your billions on? Well, TBD. Just going to make the world a better place. I think I think what you need to do is just reinvest. Huh. Pokemon cards. <laughs> not, magic the, not Magic the Gathering cards. No, 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 no. That's for losers. Get out your mom's basement. <laughs> you dorks, nerds. Pokemon cards is where yeah. it's at. That's where the cool kids play. So no one can play. <laughs> I've got two big bins of those things. Like. Just BDB? Yes. Yeah. So, but. Yes. My grandmother, uh, she was really big into the collecting of Beanie Babies, and yep. she would have been appalled by the way your Beanie Babies were stored. She had like, a, like I remember I used to live with her, and uh, in my room, my entire closet was floor to ceiling. It was like a, it was like a double door closet, floor to ceiling, with like these Beanie Baby sarcophagi. You know, it's like they were in like these plastic encased tombs standing there. Like, you know, similar to like how Hans was like frozen in carbonite. That's how these BD babies were stored on display. I hope you're ready because once this train is moving, you can't stop it unless you hit pause or your listening device crashes. You're about to start listening to the Fool Court Press Podcast. That's F-O-O-L, Fool. We don't mess up your name, so say ours right. A terrible name, and I'm glad they're dead. Sandoria McConnell. Mussolini or something? Fool's Court Press. Jamarcus Russell Wilson. You are going to hear the hard-hitting, well-researched basketball analysis. Kawhi Leonard has a size 14 shoe, so... Uh, and somebody else I can't remember is from four strangers with no chemistry I am the host Lufa who prides himself on precise NBA opinion yeah it's this big shire it's the land of Luke Canards well you know how like the Florida Panthers are like in Sunrise Florida it's like not like a real place I am joined by NBA draft specialist and Tuchel apologist Baldy all of Florida is just made up as well as Sandoria yeah, a real dick that guy is whose consistent fire takes I don't like Luca I think he's a real piece of shit Luca's the owner of the Suns I think he'd be a better owner will scorch every part of your franchise trade <laughs> this motherfucker Sarver is a real piece of shit what a stupid name well we gotta like up there we're good likers Still a better name than the Thunder. A real dick that guy is. I hate you. Finally, we have our Australian basketball enthusiast, Duke. Brooklyn Nets have three players who were born in Australia. So pay attention. This may be free, but it's important. What does it mean? Jesus fucking Christ, just shoot me. Everything will be fine. Alright, welcome back to the Fool Court Press Podcast, the only podcast made by Fools for Fools. Uh, I'm your host, Lufa. I'm joined today by Sandy and Duke. Uh, Baldy is on hamburger leave and will not be joining us today. Um, everyone say hi. I've been kissed by a rose. <laughs> Baldy's a coward. He, he didn't want to smoke. He knew that I heard what happened last week and he knew I was coming for him with that soccer second segment. <laughs> Um, I, f- I thought I felt uh, filled in quite well for you during the soccer se- uh, second segment, to be honest. Um, you don't want the smoke bird, man. 
Uh, yeah, no, Kiss by Rose, good, uh, good shout there, uh, there, Duke. I believe we will have our album released sometime later this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Can't wait. Yeah. I tell you, doing parodies of Kiss by Rose is a good way to get the demographic numbers up before I'm for sixty years old and fifty year olds <laughs> and bald Fuck man. That man. Mid uh, mid thirty uh, mid thirties to late forties is the demographic of <laughs> of Seal, and I will uh, and I will re- challenge you to fight to death over that. Yeah, Batman Forever soundtrack, man. Come on. Yeah, the nineties motherfucker. It. Jesus Christ, sixty year olds, sixty year old, yeah, sixty year olds. Do you Off even know what sixty stuff. is? What a year. Did kissed by a rose come out? Oh, 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 hold on. Let me guess. Can I guess? You sure can. 1997. 1994. And as always, we start each of our episodes with the the first segment of the day, which is the topics de jante or the topics de jour or the topics of the day. Uh, because we had a bit of a shorter week, uh, we, uh, the topics, uh, uh, the topics de jante is a little bit thin, but we have, uh, uh, Snyder uh, signing uh, Quinn Snyder signing with the uh, Hawks uh, to be their head coach. Uh, Dame got seventy one last night. Nas Reed uh, has emerged as a super uh, like, as a, a star in uh, Minnesota. Uh, the rule ch- uh, uh, the uh, sorry the rule chain change where coaches get to keep their challenge. Um, the Elam ending for OTs. And uh, expansion expansion being negotiated uh, in the CBA negotiations with potential cities being Mexico City and Seattle, who comes uh, from the east to balance the conference. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the topics to Dante. Uh, Duke, what do you want to talk about first? Wow, that is uh, quite a, a buffet here. Let's uh, let's start at the top. Let's talk Quinn Snyder to the Hawks. All right. Any initial thoughts on uh, Quinn uh, Quinny boy going to? Uh, Going to the Hawkland? Uh, <laughs> I don't think that uh, Trey Young's going to get him fired this time. You don't? I don't. I think that... Uh, you think that it's going to get him traded then? Yes. I yeah, because I, I, I would agree. Like This will be, uh, this will be uh, Trey Young's fourth coach. He's had uh, no, uh, notable altercations with the last two that have ended the relationship prematurely. And it sounds like they gave uh, Quinn Snyder the farm uh, to come there. Uh, yeah, like a five-year, whatever. $8, mi- like, uh, $8 million yeah. a year contract, so like $40 million a year. Which still pales in comparison to the max contract they've given Trey Young, but... You know they can't get much for uh, a forty million dollar buyout of a coach, but they can get quite a lot for uh, trading Trey Young. I would imagine. Absolutely, especially because they still have pieces there that they can work with. Yeah, for sure. So they wouldn't be a complete and utter rebuild. Uh, fact, Sandy, what were you? Wouldn't need to do that much. Sandy, what were your initial thoughts of the uh, this uh, the coaching hire? That was funny that they originally were. Aiming to introduce him as a president with quotes like it's. I mean, can you can you have him in the role and prove he can do it first with guys like Trey and Dejounte that you know, talent wise they should mesh, but on the floor they haven't really all that well meshed most of the year. Recently, a little bit better, but over the course of the full season, not so much. Like well, in definitely- Utah, you see they did it 
he was great, but they also had a lot of talent. And you've seen Utah's not been terrible this year with, you know, a brand new coach and brand new players. So, eh. so, so hiring a coach and bringing him in as a president of uh, basketball operations is not unheard of. Like, I mean, that happened with Rick Carlisle. It's happened with. Uh, it happened with Stan Van Gundy, mm-hmm. um, right? Like, so it's uh, it's not a, it's not uh, crazy for that to have occurred. That said, uh, uh, that said, uh, I think that I disagree with you. I think Quinn Snyder has proven that he is one of the better coaching minds uh, in the in the NBA. He did a lot with a little in Utah. Um, he had a little. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, he had a, he had. Two superstars, neither of whom were making all NBA teams on a regular basis, you know. <laughs> and he he turned them into the best offense in the league multiple seasons and the best defense in the league multiple seasons. Yeah, you know? he was also there a while. He was there like eight or nine seasons, I think. Like, yeah, um, and a few before even Donovan Mitchell got there. Yeah, no, and, and I mean, he was like the thing is that he came in I think just shortly after the uh, Darren Williams trade. Right, so he helped build that team from the ground up. But that said, like I mean, once again, his his offensive schemes and his defensive schemes are NBA cutting edge at this point in time. So I, I've, you know, it, we we obviously joked uh, uh, Baldi and I on the last podcast about the elements that uh, Atlanta was looking for um, in a coach. They wanted. Someone who could coach a top uh, top ten offense, someone who could coach a top ten defense, someone who was accountable, and someone uh, 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 and, and I, I don't know punctual. I can't remember what the fourth one is, but it's hard to argue that Quinn Snyder doesn't check all of those boxes. So I mean, he's he, he was easily the best coach on the market. Um, he was a coach who had been offered a lot of jobs this off season and turned them all down because he was looking for the right opportunity. Um, and obviously, Atlanta made him some promises. Uh, to get him there because I would say that this opportunity there would probably be more attractive opportunities that would op- be pro- likely to open up in the off season um, that he uh, that he took this one over. Um, obviously, this one has a big question mark hanging over it with the Trey Young question. That said, what we saw him do in Utah with Rudy Gobert and uh, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. I think that you could see uh, a, a similar facsimile start to arise in Atlanta. Obviously, Clint Capella isn't a Gobert modeled player, um, but you know he he has he has some rim, uh, rim protection uh, chops um, as well. They have a lot more uh, they have a lot more defensive guard in uh, Dejounte Murray uh, that they they didn't really have that kind of tool in Atlanta or in uh, Utah. But then on top of that, Atlanta is a uh, or Utah had uh, an offensive threat in Donovan Mitchell that I would say Trey Young is comparable to. Um, and before uh, moving to Cleveland, Donovan Mitchell was as ba- well not as bad a defender as Trey Young because no one's as bad a defender as Trey Young, but he was a bad defender. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, it's it's statistically proven that he is the worst defender in the league. So, um, so like you know, if they can get some form of attention paid from Trey Young on that side of the ball, I think that they have an opportunity to build a, a reasonable facsimile to what he had in Utah. So. Um, you know, I think that it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but as uh, Duke pointed out, 
you know, Quinn Snyder took a long, he took a while to instill and build that culture in uh, Utah. Um, I don't know if that patience level will be there in Atlanta. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. The Mecca. Yeah. Phillips Arena. All right. Uh, Sandy, was there a topic, DeJounte, that you wanted to address? Yeah, let's jump into Dame last night. Going for 71 and absolutely blowtorching the absolutely helpless Houston Rockets. I mean, what did they end up winning that game by? Like 20, I think? 22? Yeah. I mean... I saw I saw somebody on Twitter uh, mention that I think that instead of like doing a midseason tournament, we should just have all of our top scorers just run uh, uh, run against uh, Houston. Um, you know, I don't know if it counts. I don't I don't know if it should count as seventy. I, I think a Houston seventy one should be like it, it should be a regular fifty point game. To be honest, <laughs> the old Houston seventy one. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it's conversion. Uh, we gotta get the conversion rates in here. Um, right now, the Houston, uh, the Houston seventy one market is, uh, it's a little fat. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, Dame obviously amazing player. Uh, Portland uh, is a terrible team. Um, Dame's not gonna make the playoffs. And uh, you know, uh, it was a, it was a really high scoring, uh, high scoring night. So good for him, I guess. So, what was more <laughs> impressive? His game against Houston last night or when Donovan Mitchell went for 70 earlier this year? Who did Donovan do it again again? Donovan did it against the Knicks, right? I feel like it might have been the Pacers for whatever reason. No, Luka did the 60 against the Knicks, right? I think Luka still wins. Let me pull that up for you. While you're doing that, uh, let's uh, let's talk about all the things that Portland. What's bad with Portland? First off, they're not even the best hipster culture. Wow. Uh, he did it against the Bulls, by the way. Who, Dame? No, uh, Donovan. Oh, Donovan yeah. did it yeah, against he, the Bulls. Had, yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, the Bulls are like what the sixth ranked defense in the league. Okay, that's impressive. A seventy-point double-double because he also had the assists. Yeah, good for good so, for Donovan. That's so really, Don, so Donovan Mitchell seventy-one would be a Houston like eighty-seven. No, he would have he would have would, he, he would have had a hundred like yeah, six, yeah. hundred five. It's like yeah, yeah hundred six, hundred seven. Like, I mean, and so uh, nice. truly, Donovan Mitchell is the the new scoring uh, single game scoring leader now. Oh, nice job. Yeah, congratulations, Donovan. You're Houston 107. I like this new role. It's just based everything in, it's like the metric system. We have the Houston Rocket system. <laughs> it's, no, it's like a currency exchange. Yeah. We'll, we'll call it a points exchange. How many rockets do you have on you? <laughs> I hit that no, ball no, no. for 250 feet, so that's five. No, no, no. Those rockets. Those those rocket points are no good here. They're no we don't take rocket points here. Yeah, Denver doesn't respect rocket points. Non transferable. <laughs> yeah, they're not tra- No, no, no. No one you can't get anything with the rocket points. <laughs> In fact, we're asking you to leave. Leave leave now. Please, please yeah. go. As a matter of fact, Dame, you you you've recently been bought out. <laughs> You're going to China. 
<laughs> oh god all right uh so duke uh what's the next topic you want to ju- uh, jump into we got nas reed uh we have some rule changes whether it's the challenge the elam ending or uh the expansion conversation oh let's go with expansion all right so uh part of the part of some leaked information from uh, uh from the athletic is part of the uh, cba negotiations which seem like they are progressing which is good news uh, as reported by shams um the uh, part of the uh, conversation is a potential expansion into two cities uh seattle and um, mexico city which is what we had discussed earlier in the season when the mexico city game had occurred um one of the things that would happen, though, is that would bring two teams into the Western Conference, which means one team would have to get moved over from the West to the East. And I'm wondering, who we drafted? I think the obvious um, answer would be... Uh, Memphis? New Orleans? Yeah, New Orleans. I was thinking one of those two. Probably Memphis. I'd say New Orleans. Isn't New Orleans East, more Eastern? I don't know. It's... I don't yeah. know American geography very well, but I think that's a, that's an Atlantic coast. <laughs> I'll tell you what. either do 90% of America. <laughs> when, when, when I think the southeast, I think Memphis before I think New Orleans. Southeast? Yeah, like the southeastern. Well, like isn't, Tennessee. Tennessee, isn't Tennessee landlocked? Yes. And then, and then New Orleans is on the Atlantic coast, right? Uh, no, it's Gulf of Mexico. Which is the Atlantic? So it's like south, yeah. Yeah, it's south Atlantic. It's, uh, it's it's basically like the taint of Florida. If Florida was the was the shaft, New oh, Orleans okay. would be the taint area. Oh, okay. The the Grundle. Yeah, going down fuck? into going down into Corpus Christi, which is the asshole. Yes. The Grundle. Uh, Did you just turn it into a Beowulf villain? That's that's Grindle. <laughs> That is way too literate for our audience. What are you doing? No, <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Beowulf. <laughs> it was written literally in two languages prior to the language that we speak. The fucking Grundle. This fucking guy. The fucking Grundle. Get more topical than the fucking 1100s, you jackasses. Yeah, I'm just trying to describe. Everybody knows what Florida looks like. Looks like a, a hangy dick. Yeah, you know it's funny that I would be the one to mention Beowulf after shitting on everyone for talking about kissing bros. <laughs> In all fairness, you're just trying to fight for that. You're just trying to fight for that seven to eight century uh, demographic, <laughs> <laughs> underrepresented. So, I'm looking at a map. Memphis and New Orleans are almost exactly like the same distance, like north to south. They are, I mean, it could be either one of them. I don't see anybody else, um, any other teams that are. I said we need to. New Orleans needs to come to east. Nah, send send Memphis. Because Josh says he can handle them both and add a. Well, if we're adding two west teams, you would. Move two teams to the east, right? So that would be it. I don't think that's how it works. Am I doing math wrong? Yeah, because so if you added two teams to the west, you have seventeen to fifteen. So you'd move one from west to east, and it'd be sixteen to sixteen. Oh uh, yeah, I don't do math good. Yeah, that's okay. We all have okay. our strengths and weaknesses. At least you're also not pretty. 
<laughs> so I think we've all decided New Orleans is coming over. Yeah. Who's the better fit, though? New Orleans? I think Memphis. Okay. So so let me ask you. Who who would you rather see a seven-game Eastern Conference Finals? The Celtics versus the Grizzlies and the Celtics versus the Pelicans? I think both are great. Yeah, um, I think what we need to – what I think we need to – we fail to understand is East Coast bias, right? You can't have East Coast bias if you are landlocked. Hmm. Coast is important. Yeah, but New Orleans really isn't like East Coast. It's like a South Coast. It's co- there's no. It's South connected coast. to the Gulf of fucking Mexico. Yeah, that's South, man. <laughs> the Atlantic's East. Look at a map. Okay, someone get if- Lufa a map. <laughs> what's what is what is more east the pacific ocean or the gulf of mexico <laughs> fucking cartographers over here <laughs> okay you landlocked how, how's detroit fit into the east hmm? i mean the detroit river f- uh, feeds into the like, the great lakes are kind of like an ocean that's fine i don't think that's how that works no yeah, well, it is that's why chicago also makes it what? <laughs> no. This is a load of Chicago bullshit. <laughs> hmm. I mean, it's not really no, no. Yeah. Wait a minute. I the mean, Great Lakes. Like the a, Great Lakes are like basically one lake. Let's be completely honest. We just call, call it the Great Sea. <laughs> the only difference between a lake and the o- uh, the Great Lakes and the ocean is the salt water. Um, so this is a great Canada. distraction. <laughs> just, just, just meandering on about fucking lakes. And- somebody, somebody, please just call Baldy. We need to, we need to get this settled. <laughs> get get his, on the horn. Get his burger ass out of bed. <laughs> Did you hear that the Phoenix Suns were getting ready to kiss a Derrick Rose? Yeah, I did hear that actually. I also saw uh, Nerlens Noel on the move. He's no longer going to be a Detroit Piston. We're gonna have to update our where he at. Yeah, we will have to do that, won't we? <laughs> Uh, well, yes, you're, you are responsible for that. We can't trust Sandy. Moving on, <laughs> how about we talk about uh, Nas Reed? Nas Reed, yeah, no, he's been fire in the last few games. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously it's yeah. he. Obviously, it's something that he's been building towards throughout the season. Um, with uh, with Carl Anthony Towns' absence, and I mean. If I'm Minnesota, I'm looking at this uh, this long period where they didn't have Carl Anthony Towns, so. and I'm wondering what does our future look like because, you know, between Nas Reed, Kyle Anderson, you know, uh, the uh, and uh, the emergence of uh, Jaden McDaniels. So, is there where where does where does Cat fit into this organization? So, so it's really just two games here that he's kind of had in a row. Um, This is two games that he started. Ah, He's been doing it off the bench pretty consistently. Like 10 a game, yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, when he gets 30-plus minutes a game, he's he's very, very solid. He seems to be like a good locker room guy, good for the cohesion of of on-court stuff, too. 
he's playing kind of like a point center. He's able to mm-hmm. he's able to handle the ball. Um, he's not a turnover machine. Yeah, he's only six nine too, playing center. Yeah, like I mean, he could possibly like if he wasn't so like kind of uh, slow laterally, he could possibly like look into moving into like a wing position. He that might be something that like this is where I'm like, you know, like. I think that you could see Anaz Reed moving more fluidly into the four position than you could see Cat doing. It. Okay. Um, so let's say but, you're coaching an expansion team. Let's say you're coaching the Seattle Shitheads. Um, who okay. are you more likely to draft, Nas Reed or Cam Thomas? Uh, well, Nas Reed also has an amazing contract, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just pull mm-hmm. that up real quick. Yeah, very affordable, and I think it's I think Cam Thomas too. is on the th- is going. It will be going. Yeah. yeah, I think he'll be going into the third year of his rookie. So one second here. Yeah, and uh, Nas Reed's making one point nine million. He is in the last year of his deal. I thought he didn't he sign like a four year deal or something didn't like that he? in the off season. Or was that little Nazir Little? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, no, he just I can see why you'd mix uh, them up. Option last year. Yeah. Yeah, so sorry, I, I apologize. I thought Nas Reed just signed like a, a four year, like ten million dollar contract or something like that. Um, but I'm pretty sure that was actually Nas Reed Little. But um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, even still, a one point nine million dollar contract, he's probably due to he, he'd probably be due for a pretty big raise, I'd imagine. So I, in that case, I'd probably go Cam Tom uh, Cam Thomas if I was doing a expansion league draft right now. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I always. I mean, it's it's who's around him. I think. I mean, Cam Thomas. He, he's gonna he's gonna shoot the shit out of the ball. I mean, at least with Cam <laughs> you know Thomas, that. you got an offense. Yeah, <laughs> you may not have true. a good one. You'll have It'd one. Be exciting too. <laughs> it may not be a good one, but you'll have one. You know, uh-huh. he'll uh, he'll he'll uh, he'll Porter Junior that one into the ground. That's for sure. You want to know Nas Reed's uh, nickname? Uh, no, I Big don't Jelly. That. He must have been chubby as a kid then, because uh, this, that guy is like an Adonis now. I thought you were going to say was, it was the good knots. No, he was fun in college. He played at LSU. He's he was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you and your uh, or well, uh, oh wait, Louisiana, not uh, Louisville. Never mind. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, yeah. So Nas Reed, inter- he's an interesting person to watch. I imagine he's going to draw some interest uh, in free agency. It'll be in- it'll be cool to see what happens to him. But I think uh, the big conversation here, I think the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves have to ask themselves is what what's the cat situ- solution. Um, and even if they decide to put him on the trade market, what is the return that they can logically expect for someone like him? I agree with you. It'll be full to see what happens to him. It's the real cat's meow up there. <laughs> Fucking guy. <laughs> you need to get me out of here. You're just mad because you didn't think of it. All right, guys. What do you think of the Elam ending? I like it. I think it's got some issues. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I guess it would make OT more exciting, right? So, I, like, so uh, oh, sorry. Uh, for Sandy, for, for the something? uninitiated, would you give a brief description of exactly what this means and what it does? Yeah, so basically, uh, basically the uh, uh, what, what we're discussing is the NBA. Uh, it's it's leaked out that the NBA is considering um, instituting an Elam ending into ot games what an elam ending is is that basically there's a negotiated uh point total 
at the beginning of the quarter that each team has to hit. So normally it's, you know, let's say that I've had, if at the, at the end of the, the, at the end of regulation, I have a hundred points. My, uh, my opponent has 90 points. First one to 125 points would win the game. So that gives both teams the opportunity to come back or uh, be competing into the game uh, as well. It guarantees a, a winner at the end of the game. And then finally, and this is the most important aspect of the Elam ending personally, is it gets rid of all the needless uh, take fouls at the end of games. It gets rid of all of the endless timeouts that are called in the last two minutes of games that makes like the last five minutes of game last 30 minutes. So basically, you're, so it's all action, no, uh, uh, no compromise. I, I honestly, personally, myself, I would love to see them do it for the fourth quarter. I, I would uh, like get rid of the uh, get rid of the uh, get rid of overtime altogether. Let's just let's put the let's call it thirty five points at the end uh, at the end of the third quarter top score, and uh, let's uh, let's get the teams going and uh, make that our new fourth quarter moving forward. Um, personally, I think that would be great. It would be get rid of my least favorite part of uh, the NBA game, which is the last few minutes just being an excruciating slog, um, particularly if the game is a close game, which a lot of games are. I thought your least favorite part of the game was when Fred Van Vliet was on the court alone and Siakam sitting on the bench. My least favorite part of the game is watching uh, Trey Young play. Yeah. Um. Damn. Well, <laughs> you really don't like that guy, huh? I really don't. I, I think I've been pretty consistent about that, though. So Future after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, me. I mean... I don't really think I'd that I that. care for this, honestly. I think it's good that they can at least sample this maybe in preseason, maybe in the offseason, maybe in the G League, give it a trial run, see how people react to it, see how it goes, see how it plays. Um, I feel like you're, you're tampering a little too much, though, when it comes to the postseason. If you're going to implement something like that, keep it to the regular season. Like shootouts and hockey. Don't 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 mess with postseason play with this with this. Let's keep postseason rules how they are. Overtime stay in effect as they are. Like let's don't mess with the postseason. The postseason basketball is perfect. What's the logic behind you not being in support of it? There's like, I, I just like what is the like why would we keep the status quo? I I just I just think if you're just playing with like no running clock. Oh, let's just get to one thirty. Like, I, f- I feel like it takes away a lot of excitement here. Like, uh, like if a team, but you know, you have a guarantee, something that you don't have in in like a, a regular game, like with a regular clock. You have a guarantee walk off shot. No, you don't. Not if a team gets a lead. Yeah, no, you have a guarantee walk off shot because I they have to shoot a game winning shot for the uh, for the game to end. Yeah, you have to hit that target score. I just I th- you don't like you're like if I'm watching a regular season, if I'm watching a regular game that has a regular clock and we're up by twenty, there's no point in watching the rest of that game. But if I if I'm up by twenty and I know that they still have to score another fifteen points, while I know that the I know that there's a slim chance of my team coming back, they have to hit a game winning shot. They have to do a walk off for the game to end. Like we're always in it until until they until they make that final shot. So 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 I think I may change my stance on it if I see it in action. But well, if, they've done it in the last three All Star games, and I don't the first, care for that uh, format. I don't, I don't enjoy it even remotely. 
well, the first one was widely widely regarded as a huge success. LeBron made an amazing game winning shot. Um, the it, it was it was a back and forth game, and the Elam ending really it was it was championed as something that was saving the All Star game right up until the last All Star game where no one decided to play. Um, so like uh, so like I mean we've seen it in action. We've seen that it's created exciting results, particularly in close games. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I mean. Uh, I'd imagine in games that have stakes associated with them, it would only be a force multiplier in that case. I don't. I, I, I like. I know Duke had mentioned that there are some drawbacks to it. I don't see any drawbacks to it. I think that it solves a lot of the problems that we have. Like a lot of the problems that we have uh, at maintaining excitement at the end of games, and it always it doesn't always create an ex- exciting conclusion. But in the fact that you always have to have a game winning shot, there's at least some drama that's built into the conclusion of every game. I much much like this pitch clock MLB is going to all these role changes in sports. I just don't want them bleeding into the postseason. Postseason basketball is is beautiful. It's perfect. I would not mess with it. I just, I just, I just wouldn't. Let's see how it plays out in the regular season, and after like a season or two of it, if people want to vote on it, then fine, whatever. But don't just, don't just immediately start doing that. I kind of agree there. I, I think post postseason basketball is perfectly competitive to the degree that you don't, you really don't need to to tweak it. In any postseason way, in postseason basketball is sacrosanct. Like if you're wrapping up games. In the regular season, because you want to preserve bodies and not have guys playing ridiculous amounts of minutes night in, night out, fine. But the postseason can't be about that. The postseason best team needs to win definitively. Definitively. And it I doesn't guess, matter if it takes four or five overtimes. I guess I'm just like, you know, it doesn't matter if the game is like... It doesn't matter if the game's like game six or seven of the, uh, of the finals. If a team's like got a two-point lead... And I'm watching them do timeouts and foul shots for the last two minutes of a game. I don't find that exciting. If we're if I we're find that in, annoying. If we're in game seven of the finals and I hear the PA announcer come on and say the target score is 120, I'm going to think we're at the circus. What kind of circuses do you go to? I just, I just, I just, I don't feel like oh. I can take that seriously. The target score is like, come on, like just play the play the damn clock out. I got an idea. OT, both teams pick their best player, maybe their best two or three players, and they play a game of 21. Okay, big three. What? They do that in big three? No, this is just this is just three guys. This is just big three. Just target score, big three. Like, I mean. Oh, it's 21, man. It's totally different. Not the same thing. The target score is 21. No, man. See, I, I don't think, 21. like, I, I gotta be honest, like, like what you're discussing there, and I know, I don't know if it was a serious a suggestion or not, I'm, I'm going to 100%. pretend it's a serious, I'm going to pretend it's 100% serious at Absolutely. this point in time. I believe you're, as, I, I believe you're as sober as a priest at the moment. Um, <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like, I mean, like, I don't think the Elam ending fundamentally changes the DNA of the game. 
it's not the same as taking uh, taking two players off of the court from each side, which changes the actual geometry of the game. Like the eel mending is just like instead of saying that you have five minutes to do something, you have twelve points to do something. Now those twelve points could be accumulated in two minutes. They could be accumulated in ten minutes. There's nothing. Def- there's nothing definitive about time. You're just taking the dimension of time and you're changing it into a dimension of points. It's not a fun. It, it, there's no fundamental change of the actual like behavior. If if that makes sense, like it's just, just like I just don't like I don't see it as like a change in the actual DNA of the game. It's just it, it's just what it, like it's just a different way of consi- considering time. Maybe it just doesn't vibe with me because I'm old school. I just I just want the basketball games in the playoffs to play off to play out how they always have and and this modern era here. Let's not yeah, that's why let's we- not go changing shit too much. In the That's why we call you "Get Off My Lawn, Sandy." Just, just don't, don't mess with the playoff basketball. I just—that's all I've <laughs> got, man. All, all, all don't we, take my playoff basketball. Don't mess with playoff basketball. And look, while we're talking about the All Star game, because I wasn't on last week, I'm really not a fan of All Star Weekend these days. Um, I think the only thing I really enjoyed this year was the celebrity game. I'm not even. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. if you wanted to have opinions on All Star Game, you should have shown up to your goddamn job. All right, so we'll save that. We'll save those. We'll save those takes. You can save those takes to next season. How about I take All you right? out back? Okay. <laughs> what, what are we gonna do? We gonna get some drinks? Yeah, why not? <laughs> right, so here's an idea. Hear me out. Yeah. So in OT, they play regular basketball. But they play it riding on donkeys. A real smart idea. Now, from I'm going to take real jackass. donkey basketball. I don't know if you're being. I don't know if you're joking around or if you're being serious. I'm, so I'm going to. I'm going to choose to take you seriously right now. I would never joke about this. That is a dumb idea, and you're a dumb person for suggesting it. Donkey basketball. <laughs> All right, so uh, the the last thing we wanted to discuss was is that everything? You wanted to talk about oh, uh, yeah, the, the New York Knicks. Ch- coach, coach's challenge. Uh, so one of the annoying parts of the coach's challenge right now is if you challenge something successfully, you still lose your challenge, okay. and later on in the game, a ref will invent a, a, invent a, like a turnover that doesn't exist, like an, uh, like an out-of-bounds play where somebody didn't touch the ball, or they'll clearly miss a, a charge, or they'll clearly miss a, a, clearly miss a foul. Um, and the team is being screwed, so teams are not challenging things that they know will be successful earlier in the game, so that they can keep their uh, challenge for later in the game. And you know, it's a uh, it, it's not improving the refing situation. It's uh, just uh, it, it's just consistently frustrating everybody. So, what are you guys' thoughts about the the coaches being allowed to keep both their timeout and their challenge if they are able to successfully challenge a play? Yeah, I'm all in on this one. I love this idea. Make it, take it, Make baby. It makes sense i mean it's, it's weird that they weren't doing this already i think what we should do is we should go away from challenges altogether and go into a var system similar to what you have in you have in soccer european soccer what the hell is a var system as someone who doesn't give a hell about a football. video is a video assisted referee so basically you have like a third referee that's just basically in the stands or not in the stands but in like a uh in the arena surrounded by televisions with every camera angle and anytime a ref makes a call or doesn't make a call they basically whisper in the ear in their ear hey you may want to take a look at this replay 
So we're gonna it's funny you mention that because it sounds like the actual uh, whatever company was like Sony or whatever. Yeah, they do the, the Hawkeye whatever talk company, technology. Yes, is I think it is. Uh, be, it's Sony is pitching to it's pitching to the NBA, or they've already reached a deal with the NBA for next season. Um, I, I mean, I'd have to look that up, but I think. But was it basketball Illuminati covered that? Yeah, yeah. So like basically, uh, basically the VAR system is uh, is run through Hawkeye technology, which is done by Sony. Uh, it would move the the NBA away from their current biometrics measuring system called uh, Second Spectrum. Um, but basically, through Hawkeye, it does open up the possibility for VAR to be something that they could do. Um, and basically, the reason why I think that we should take the challenge away from coaches is like, first off, there's plenty of plays where the coach just uses a challenge just to satisfy their team and it's not something that actually does anything positive for the game so we have an unnecessary timeout because we have to protect the ego uh, the fragile egos of players whereas with uh, uh, with the var we're taking that pressure off of coaches so they don't have to manage the egos of their team um, and then with VAR, they can challenge whatever happens badly. So if you have a particularly bad referring crew, which we know that not all refs are created equal, you know, if we have a particularly bad referring crew that particular night, we don't have to worry about using our challenges too early because they're going. To, we know they're going to mess up an important play later on in the game. We can have some form of safety net um, to protect us from these terrible refs. Looking at you, Scott Foster. He's one of the better ones. You're an asshole. <laughs> the, the problem is that VAR is pretty much universally despised by soccer fans. Yeah, but, like, I mean, soccer fans, like, I, and I think Sandy and I addressed this last week as well. Soccer fans are just miserable pricks, well, so we're not really life. worried about what they're <laughs> what they're complaining about. Oh, no, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I, I agree. I 100% agree with that point. I, that was one of the best things said last week. So I'm um, Sandora. I think you meant Balti. Anyway. My uh, my thing here is, so if you have a video-assisted replay going on, how quickly are they going to be able to jump in and stop play and, hey, we're looking at this, hey, we're doing, like, because this, that well, is uh, like, going mean, on constantly, constantly. In the, in the EPL, uh, when you see it, it doesn't, it, it's not something that impacts it dramatically. It only comes up, like, you know, maybe two or three times a game, um, and uh, in the the actual timeouts are similar to what you would see for a coach's challenge right now, right? So um, I don't think that it would, like, I mean, unless you have a particularly bad refing crew, which I think it, it would be a good metric for the uh, NBA to measure how many times do this refing crew have to be corrected by VAR. Maybe we need to make adjustments to that refing crew to ensure that they're more accurate originally so we don't have to be consistently correcting them, right? So I think I think unless you have a particularly bad refing crew, I don't think it would be something that would be much more impactful to the game's time flow and such that we're currently seeing. Okay. It can't be worse than the last two-minute report. <laughs> the utterly useless. useless. Yeah, oh, it's like it, it, it's like hey, after the fact, we stole all of the we stole all of the uh, all of these points away from your team. So, uh, anyways, okay. I hope you're happy about that. You know I know we're happy about it. You know, but could you imagine having somebody who's able to actually correct that live in the game? And that's what VAR is. Okay, I um, I have a counter for you here, Lufa. I'm good with them going to VAR on one condition. They bring the guy on Twitter, Devin the Lab, the snitch. 
<laughs> they bring him in to run it. No, no, no. That would actually interfere with the flow of the game. Because that guy is going to be like, hey, that guy did something spectacularly athletic, but he didn't tie his shoe properly, so we're taking uh-uh. that, uh, taking those points away from him. So, I'm not familiar f- with this with this man. Oh, man. He's the I'm double dribble guy. Double dribble. It's Devin the yeah, Lab. Basically, he Twitter. just outs he outs all these athletes yeah. for double dribble yeah. or you know uh, travels or anything <laughs> like that. It's on hilarious t- on Twitter. because Lufa hates like his ass. It's funny as shit. Uh, gotcha. Sounds like a fucking dork. No, it's funny. Yeah, he's a nerd. It's funny. He's a golf snitch. It's funny. Ugh. It's hilarious. It's not it's, funny. It's top tier content. It's funny. Yeah, uh, Baldi uh, Baldi's obsessed with him. He's referenced him a few times. He's very very before. funny. <laughs> It, it, right, the reason so, that it's funny is because of how ridiculous his his claims are. By the way, it's not that they're accurate; it's that it's fucking ridiculous, and I love it. Let's see. Well, guys, I'm about to get in the lab here with Devin Williams. There you so. go. Back Let's to the see. lab again. All right, Devin Williams is in the lab. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so he's a filmmaker and basketball trainer. He's very talented. Double dipping. Yeah. All right, uh, so uh, let's move on to our uh, Fool's Gold segment. We're going to be talking about the New York Knickerbockers. Uh, yeah, I, I just just play uh, play uh, play through is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! The open is just ten thousand hours is the magic number of greatness. Malcolm. Gladwell, <laughs> oh wow, Devin Williams. <laughs> the uh, the Knicks kind of taking it to Boston right now. Yeah, well, the the Knicks are five and zero, soon to be six and zero since the trade deadline. Yeah. And I was wondering, do you guys think the the Knicks are for real? Are they fools gold or no? I do think they're for real. If I'm being honest with you, what do you think for real means for the Knicks, though? Competent enough to make the playoffs and maybe steal a game or two. Top six. You think they're top six? Do you think that they get home court? No, no, no. I, I doubt it. It's amazing what have uh, what adding Josh Hart and taking Evan Fournier does to a rotation. Taking Evan Fournier oh. out of a rotation does to a rotation. And, and getting uh, Mitchell Robinson back is a huge, yeah. huge, huge thing. boon. Yeah, no, it's a you know it's a they're uh, they're definitely a feisty team. Uh, do you think that they uh, they can put the scare into one of these uh, top four teams in the East? I tell you what, buddy, when it comes to the playoffs. Your webcam right now is putting the scare into me. I feel like I'm in a horror movie. We're in the middle of a snowstorm, so probably uh, having. Some I, I, I think that's what it is. Yeah. So I think that they actually can put the scare in a few of the top tier teams. You know, they have been playing everybody tough that they've come across uh, since the trade. First off, but just in general this season, you know, they've been very, very up to task when it comes to facing everybody for the most part. Randall, he ain't been fucking around. He's been on his game. He's been great. Yeah, I mean, like, I think one of the most impressive things is that we've consistently been pre- uh, predicting the the decline and the death of the uh, Knicks throughout the se- uh, regular season, and they just consistently seem to withstand. Yeah, they're a good team. Um, <laughs> I don't think they're you're right. The, no, I, I agree. I think that you're right. That uh, and it was kind of a surprise at the time that Tibbs just decided to go with the younger, yeah, uh, McBride and Grimes and. Uh, get Fournier and Rose the fuck out of there. Yeah. Um, and they've, I mean, they've shown that they can hang. Yeah, Grimes is, 
Make Grimes is turning into a completely different player even from the beginning of the mm-hmm. season. It seems like he's throwing, uh, becoming more of a, a deep threat. Um, he handles the ball relatively well. Um, and obviously he's a defensive he's one of the better defensive wings in the in the league for sure he's a plus defender on the at the very least um and he's yeah i mean uh you know people made fun of the knicks for holding out on getting donovan mitchell um by uh, by not wanting to add quentin grimes to the trade and a lot of people were like who is this guy why is it worth it i mean it's hard to argue that the knicks front office uh Maybe it, maybe they still would have wanted to make that trade, but it's hard to argue why the Knicks front office was was so in love with uh, Quentin Grimes to begin with. I think there's if it's not now, there's going to be a time when we have to give Leon Rose credit. Um, I for mean everything he's done since he since he got hired. I mean you look at you look at his rotation. Not a single player is over twenty eight in his rotation. Mm-hmm. They're sitting at what fifth in the league. And they have six. They collected six first round picks last uh, off season um, by making all those roster moves. This is it's a masters a masters class on how to build a roster uh, coming out of New York, which is not mm-hmm. something that we've ever said. Nick we fans, in just a couple seasons too. Nick fans, you need to serve up a few kisses for Rose. Full circle. That's right. <laughs> Do you remember when? Finger yeah. wag. You could even have a bobble, bobblehead. Yeah, like with wag. it actually wagging. No, I don't think that's a good idea. Like, like, <laughs> like that's that's terrible. Awesome. That, that is like, objectively here, a great idea. Yeah, here's, yeah, like, here's you're your, welcome. Here's, right, yeah. the, here's your here's your official NBA achievement award. Oh, by the way, it's a bobble finger. <laughs> and it rules. <laughs> hey, wait. Yeah. Well, uh, no, you know what they should do? They should have like one of those like foam fingers no, on it no, that you no, get out of this no. On the night That's when they far. give the trophy to the winner, <laughs> it's it's bobble finger trophy night for all the first five hundred fans that attended. You get a free it's miniature bobble merchandising. finger. Yeah, no, it's a, it, it's the golden it's the golden uh, it's the golden finger. Like that's what you get. You get the giant like uh, the giant finger glove, and it's encased in gold. May as well be a golden turd. You're listening to the Fool Court Press podcast. All right, now it's time for our Fool of the Week, Milwaukee Bucks. Milwaukee Bucks has recently uh, recently added a new minority owner or co-owner of the franchise. Uh, his name is James Haslam of the Haslam family. James, uh, James Haslam, commonly known as Jimmy Haslam, maybe sports fans may know him as a uh, boisterous booster for the uh, University of Tennessee. They may know him as a tax dodging criminal, or they may know him as a uh, as the owner of the hapless. Cleveland Browns and supporter of prominent sexual predator uh, Deshaun Watson. So, uh, Duke, what are your thoughts on uh, on the Bucks' uh, new co-owner Jimmy Haslam? You know, you'd heard rumors about it for a few weeks. I was actually still still surprised to see that today uh, that, that that he was going to be buying. I didn't see if it's a majority stake. I'm no, assuming it, they it is said for that they, kind of money. No, it's a, so he didn't pay three point five billion. It was valued at three point five billion. So I don't know how much Mark Lash, uh, Lashry's ownership stake is. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, and 
while you're doing no. that, I, th- I didn't also see if uh, the other owner, because it, it was a partnership, it was him and Wes Edens. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't see if, I mean, I'm assuming he's staying too, but, you know, I, I think. So Lashley uh, bought a 25% stake of the Bucks. The big Bucks. He paid that much, the big Bucks. Got it. So, and it was $3.5 billion, so that means he would have, uh, sorry. So he would have made eight hundred and seventy-five million dollars off the off of his sale of his ownership. Oh wow! So the good news is, is Jimmy Haslam doesn't have majority say, say over um, the Milwaukee Bucks. Like he can't become like a chairperson or anything like Yet. that because he has to he has to have a minimum of I believe thirty-five percent ownership of the team for that to be something that would happen. But that said, he's got his foot in the door and. Uh, like most vampires, once you've invited him in that house, it's normally a nightmare afterwards. Maybe he just wants to have fun. You know, vampires love having fun. Yeah, his his idea of fun is definitely vampiric idea of fun. The good news is, is we've always been wondering what would it look like if if the Milwaukee Bucks signed Miles Bridges, and now I guess we'll find out. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, speaking of the Bucks, the Jay Crowder revenge. Josh game. Primo's still out there, so obviously, uh, obviously, we expect him fully uh, to get a fully guaranteed max contract to come to the Milwaukee Bucks. Ooh. Brandon Miller to the Bucks confirmed. <laughs> it's Miller, they could never draft that high. Uh, trade. No, they'll make it happen. <laughs> they'll trade Giannis for him. Brandon well, Miller, that's uh, the culture. That's a seamless entry into our Messy Bitch Award nominees. So obviously we have Brandon Miller, um, which we will get into the details on that shortly. Um, also nominated is uh, Jason Kidd, uh, post-game com- uh, comments after the Mavs blew a 27-point lead to the Lakers uh, last night. Um, and uh, Chuck, or Charles Barkley, losing his goddamn mind today on, uh, on first take. So, uh, Duke, which one would you like to talk about first? God, these other two don't stand a chance, so let's get through them quick. Let's talk about uh, Jason Kidd. <laughs> yeah, I know. Chuck's definitely going to win. Um, so, uh, Jason, <laughs> Jason Kidd, after, uh, after the game uh, last night where his team blew a 27-point first-half lead uh, to the hapless Los Angeles Lakers, uh, went to the media and basically uh, was asked what, uh, why he didn't call any timeouts or he only called one timeout in the third quarter when they were blowing that lead. And he said, as a coach, there's not really a lot I can do. I'm, uh, I'm not the hero here. I'm just watching the game like the rest of you. Um, and then he went on to uh, say that, you know, the, uh, that they're, uh, they're not mature enough to be winning these games because, you know, they're complaining to the refs too much and such. Um, and basically, uh, basically taking uh, some veiled shots at Luca uh, through the media, as well as just taking a complete lack of ownership, which is you know within his character, um, towards the overall performance of the team. So, uh, Duke, what were your thoughts on uh, on Jason Kidd? It's it's very on brand for him. Um. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, what's he supposed to do? It's not like he's coaching the team. Yeah, I mean, like this is you know this is the evolution of the Jason Kidd uh, coaching tra- uh, the coaching experience, right? Like first it starts off with him, you know, 
coming into a role that he doesn't deserve to be in and has shown multiple times that he's not qualified to per, uh, uh, like participate within. He does some good... Uh, oh, something happened, Duke? Oh, LaMelo Ball suffered a fracture in his right ankle tonight. Oh, yeah, Detroit. I saw that. Yeah, I saw the non-contact injury earlier. I didn't... Man, that's worse yeah. than I thought it would be. And LeBron, it looks like he's going to be out for a lot, a large portion of the remainder of the season as well. Um, God damn. After hearing a pop in his own foot. Tough stuff, man. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to derail that. That was shocking. I didn't expect that, especially so quick. Yeah, so uh, so um, when it comes to Jason Kidd, you know, like we saw it in Milwaukee, we saw it in Brooklyn. Basically, he starts talking shit about his team in the media, and eventually uh, the results continuously don't pile up. He continues to bitch, and then he gets fired or he leaves. Um, so uh, we're just uh, in stage two of the life cycle of Jason Kidd, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where he is. Probably got one more season left in him before he blows it up, but, you know. Hmm. Jason. Everyone knows that the best defensive player in the league is Jason Kidd because he was able to shut down Giannis for so long, and now he's doing it with Luca. I'm just, you know, Jason Kidd. He just gives me big vibes of like a vampire who's just entered their locker room. Yeah, you're not kidding. We've been really vampire focused these last few weeks. I think we gotta we gotta vary it up with uh, some other supernatural. No, no, uh, we're the demons. vampire like, diaries. Maybe it's the Wendigo or something like that we need to... When did he go and think that he was a coach worth putting anybody under the bus? Ah, the Skinwalker. (laughs) The Becca. All right. (laughs) Oh my God, you got me with that one. (laughs) Sandy, do you want to talk about Brandon Miller or do you want to talk about Chuck losing his goddamn mind? Let's talk about Barkley. All right, Chuck Barkley. Chucky Bark. Let me me pull up some of these quotes. So he went on uh, first take, uh, and he's looking. He's he's looking his age nowadays, which is you know good for him. You know he's not he's not making any cosmetic enhancements. He's got these big grandpa glasses on, um, and and massive headphones like myself. So he's obviously spent twenty dollars on Amazon. Um, He's acting his age too. Yeah. Went on uh, to say this about Kevin Durant. Um, LeBron James or LeBron says, "I had to win a championship without D Wade to get uh, get old heads respect." Kobe says, "I have to win the championship without Shaq to get the old heads off my back," and I hold Kevin Durant to that same standard. Now, uh, Kevin Durant did uh, have the internet sleuths look into this. Uh, LeBron and Kobe never said anything along those lines. He's made that completely up. Um, so that, that, that was a fun one. And then Charlie went, uh, uh, uh Chuck went on to, uh, weigh, weigh in on load management saying that you can't make 30, 40, 50 million dollars and then sit out games. I think it's disrespectful to the game. I think it's disrespectful to the fans. Once again, putting ownership of load management on the players when we all know that it is actually deemed by the teams and their athletic personnel or athletic management personnel, uh, and has very little to do with the actual players themselves when it comes to load management. But anyways, once again, one of the main uh, speakers for the game is out there trashing the game, trashing the athletes, and uh, creating just general unfounded hostility towards people. It's a bunch of back-in-my-day-isms. <laughs> yeah. God. So, Duke, do you have any thoughts on Chuck? Um, I think mostly he's, he's just being himself doing what he does but <laughs> you know um i actually kind of agree with him when it comes to the load management stuff but 
Not because I I am uh, backing big business, big millionaire, billionaire people. Boulay. Uh, it's, it's more, uh, well, I mean, until I become a billionaire, but, the, you know, TBD on that. <laughs> um, Them beans. But, yeah, it's more, it's more about... Uh, the grail. It's more about backing the fans. I mean, the way things are right now, something's going to have to change, whether it's a reduced schedule. Um, you know, uh, they, they have to do something. It's... It does suck. I mean, quite frankly, for for fans more more than anything, I think. But you don't want to go against what the players and the medical staff are saying. Um, I mean, I'm always going to be pro player, but at the same time, you have to think about you know you're 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 playing for a crowd, you're playing yeah. for, for viewership, and you know it's, it's part of it. Yeah, I know. I mean, like I would love to. Like, I can't wait to watch. Uh watch Curry play against the Golden State Warriors tomorrow. Chuck. Or uh, LeBron uh, LeBron play tomorrow with the Lakers. Yeah. Or, you know what, LaMelo Ball? Uh, I'm going to watch him next time Charlotte plays for sure. That's kind of the point, though. You can't stop injuries. I well, mean, the, the thing is, they happen. The thing is, is like you have you have Lamelo Ball coming off of an ankle injury, and then you don't have him taking any rest games, with the exception of obviously the All Star break, and now he's got a broken a broken ankle. LeBron well, uh, LeBron's I, playing uh, LeBron, LeBron's playing some of his highest minutes in the last two to three uh, seasons, and now he's got a broken so, foot. Well, he just kind I, of came back from can, quite a can, few games. Can off, I though. just? Yeah, because of his because uh, his foot was causing him problems, and then he said he had to manage it for the whole season. Can, and then within three games of him saying that, no. now he's got it, now he's got a foot injury in the middle of a game. All right, let's you pause a for a second here. Lamelo, it's the opposite ankle. It's not the one that he had hurt beginning of the year and missed all that time. Which with. is which is physio- physiologically is explainable. Still, could be related to the original ankle injury. Yeah. But anyways, continue. <laughs> not the same ankle. This is the point I'm making here. Yeah, it's, but like, uh, but when it comes to like uh, people coming back, uh, p- coming back from injuries, they compensate, and as a result, their body breaks down faster. This is all scientifically proven. Um, so the fact that it's the opposite ankle actually makes it seem more likely that it's related to the uh, original ankle injury. To be completely honest with you, but anyways, um, yeah, no, I mean. The reality is, is that they play too much games. These bodies are going to the NBA broken. The NBA, the NBA has millions of dollars tied into these assets, and they need to do what they can to preserve them as much as they can. Because even when they do preserve them as much as they can, they still break down. Right. So, you have to either change the format of the season by lowering the amount of games, or you start forcing players to play injured, and you get more of these injuries, and we see less of these players. Yeah, and I'm not. I'm never gonna say that a player should play hurt. Um, I'm just saying something's got to change. They got the ones something. that have to change are when Kyrie bailed on the team to go party for two weeks, or when LeBron ba- uh, bailed and went to Miami after he joined Cleveland because they didn't make enough trades, and he went to Miami for two weeks, or the one where Ben Simmons took a season off because his feelings were hurt. Like these are ones that uh, like and like now whatever's happening with Ben Simmons right now, which is you know him complaining about knee soreness and missing three games at a time, right? Like I mean those are ones where it's like you know these people are stealing money from a bank. But I think largely, when you talk to players, when you see like 
uh, Stan Van Gundy talked about uh, talked about how you know he thinks that you know all these soft tissue injuries might be related to the lack of practice and the fact that the guys aren't able to stay in shape because they're basically have all this low management. Kevin Durant supports this argument. Why does Kevin Durant support this argument? Because Kevin Durant doesn't want to load manage. Kevin Durant wants to play. His main con- his main like complaint about Ke- uh, Steve Nash and the reason why he asked for him to be terminated was because Steve Nash wasn't running hard practices and he wanted the team to get better and he felt that they could only get better through practice so like you know like you look at these players the players the average player is competitive the average player wants to play the reason why they're being pulled off uh, the reason why they're being pulled out of these games and pulled off the court is because unfortunately the load in which that they're uh, working at is far too much and if we want to preserve these bodies as best as we can then we have to help take care of them so chug is just a bunch of revisionist history here. LeBron, he goes to Miami, Wade and Bosch. It's like we forgot a Brandon made a super team. And then he goes to Cleveland with Kyrie and Kevin Love, and oh, we're not classifying that as a super team. It's three All Stars, and now he's in LA with Anthony Davis, and it was Russell Westbrook. We're not classifying that as a super team. Three All Stars, three All NBA guys, like. Chuck Chuck bailed on Phoenix to go join a super team in Houston. So, so the difference to there, chase and the and the thing I will give in his defense here, he was at the end of his rope, and he didn't really, he wasn't really the same guy. He was he was basically done. He was just a bench guy. He was like forty at that point, and he was, and P- Pippen was pretty much the same. But and then we have Kobe. Someone's going to Basketball Reference right now. <laughs> His eyes lit up as soon as he said he was forty. <laughs> oh, he was close to it. He was close to the end of his rope. But, but, but Kobe, Kobe was Shaq. Kobe was Powell. He was. He was thirty-three. <laughs> oh wow! I said corrected, Chuck. Chuck. I knew you said forty. I was like, Chuck, you ran from the grind, bro. Why'd you run from the grind, bro? Dame, whatever. Yeah, he left oh. Phoenix for Houston at uh, in his age thirty-three. How did he play that year? Uh, average 19. Uh, How many games did he start? How many games did he start? Uh, 53. 53 coming off the bench. 53 out of 53. Oh. Oh, yeah. So he came off the bench for that entire season then, Sandy. Sandy's talking no, a lot of no, bullshit. No, no, no. I know. That's what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> He's talking a lot of bullshit. Uh, he came off gotcha. the bench. He was 40 years old. I was just to he had his, my He had a cane. He had a cane out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He was not See how ridiculous really that sounds, player. Charles? <laughs> Sorry? You see how ridiculous that sounds, Charles? <laughs> no, is it, I mean, it's it. So, uh, so Chuck's A, a hypocrite. Uh, B, you know, he's uh, he, he's an asshole. And C, he's talking, he talks about things that he clearly either is maliciously caping up for owners um, and trying to turn people against, uh, against the NBA players prior to a labor negotiation, or he's talking completely out of ignorance and is just doing more harm than good in general. All that um, said... He's not the messiest bitch here this week. Well, this one's going to be complicated. <laughs> I might need some help here with some of the comments and the timelines. Not it. Um, <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, but yeah, so uh, Brandon Miller. So Brandon Miller oh, is boy. in some in some fantasy drafts uh, the number three prospect behind Scoot Henderson and uh, Victor Wembanyama. 
pretty universally a top five projection. I have seen certainly certainly a lottery pick. Uh, certainly a lottery pick. Definitely has a lot of uh, very positive tools. Obviously, a very gifted offensive player has high defensive upside. Over seven foot wingspan, uh, nine foot tall, possibility of extra growth. Uh, he's going to be a one and done player for the University of Alabama. Sandy, you were going to say something? Yeah, I, I've read people state that he might go as high as number two. That's not happening. Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, it's not happening. Uh, it's just somebody trying to sell uh, sell things. Hey, man, it's on Twitter. <laughs> it's on Twitter. That's, uh, that's some. That's some clicks. Yeah, <laughs> that's somebody who's trying to sell subscriptions. Not on Twitter. Uh, he might go number one. Yeah, no, he's. I heard that Victor Wembanyama is a child uh, child molester. That's what I heard. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Hold on. I don't want to attach my name to that. <laughs> Let me go ahead and type out the disclaimer now to put in the episode. Just notes. kidding, Vic. We love you. Hope to see you in the pros soon. Love. <laughs> The Full Court Press Podcast. Child molester. As far as we know. There we go. Got it. Carry on. Uh, Anyways. um, So, yeah, no. uh, So, Brandon Miller, we're doing an awful lot of laughing for this part of the segment. So, let's try and get our composure. (laughs) Mm So Brandon uh, Brandon Miller, highly touted uh, touted prospect coming into uh, uh, into Alabama, having uh, what seems to be one of the better years of all of the future rookie class of twenty twenty three. He uh, uh, he his teammate, uh, who I'm, I don't know his name and I don't care to know his Darius name. Darius Miles. Thank you. Uh, no relation. Wasn't Darius no, no, no was Darius Miles like a great no dunker? Relation. No, no relation. No relation. <laughs> Uh, Darius Miles, who is a junior. Darius Miles. <laughs> Damn it. All right. okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. So uh, Darius Miles, uh, who uh, who um, shot uh, shot a woman dead in an argument um, from him. Uh, well, I mean, okay, fine. Allegedly, um, okay, I'm just covering all our bases. Prior, uh, prior to murdering this woman, he uh, called Brandon uh, Brandon Miller to come down um, and bring his gun. So Brandon Miller was present apparently at the time of the shooting. He um, supplied, the supplied, weapon. supplied the murder weapon to the suspected murderer, um, and uh, the woman has uh, obviously passed away, and the family is quite bereft, which is natural. Um, immediately following the, uh, this, uh, the release of these details, um, uh, th- it was known obviously that, uh, Darius Miles had, uh, at, had been accused of murdering this woman and therefore, uh, was cut from the team earlier this season. The involvement of Brendan Miller had only recently been revealed, um, in the, in the trial, uh, that's currently going on. Um, and as a result, uh, Brandon Miller's, uh, coach spoke on the issue and said that, you know, he was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, which, I mean, when's the right place to give somebody their murder weapon? I don't know. Um, Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer, who is a who is a draft specialist and a general NBA know-it-all, uh, refer, uh, congratulated uh, Brandon Miller as he hit 41 points immediately after uh, this information had uh, been released, noting that uh, amid controversy, uh, Miller had done uh, uh, done such uh, s- uh, such a great job, and it was impressing scouts. 
Um, and then um, during his first home game since the revelations, uh, the Alabama fan base gave him a standing ovation. Now, this isn't something that they did the game prior to it. They only did it afterwards. So I can only assume that they gave him a standing ovation as a result of his participation in a murder um, or alleged participation in a murder. Um, and therefore, I guess that's something that really rouses the overall M- Alabama fan base um, to their feet. Um, and then as well, in the, in the, in his, in the pregame, uh, a teammate mimicked uh, searching him for firearms and uh, they all had a big chuckle about it once again while the victim's family is uh, still uh, trying to achieve some form of retribution. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I'm not sure who to give it to um, in that particular non- nomination. So, There's a lot of fools all the way through, we, the, um, through it. But I'd like to specifically point out here that he had a player introduction which they mocked the pat down. Yeah, yeah, this uh, absolutely gross and abhorrent. And the fans gave him a standing ovation. So they ate yeah, that shit, which up. once again is not something they did before he was revealed to have been uh, participating in it. Therefore, the only difference between before and after that I know of yeah. is that he was accused of being uh, uh, being an accomplice. Um, so I got. I guess I guess that's what we're cheering. That's what we're saying. Like I can only determine that the standing ovation was, "Hey, thanks for bringing the gun to that murder." Um, also, there was another player that was uh, was at the scene as well on the team who uh, that that was uh, was revealed in this trial. And then another aspect of the Alabama basketball team that was brought to our attention as well is. Josh Primo, who you may know uh, for being kicked out of the Spurs for flashing his therapist, uh, was also from the Alabama program, and there was word that he had uh, there had been some complaints prior that this this is a behavior that had started during his time at Alabama as well. So the program seems to be collecting a lot of winners. So uh, Duke, over under of that Alabama game, seven point five signs that said shooter shoot on it. Oh God! Uh, he, yeah, man. So Nate Oates, yeah, not a good take guy, huh? over there. You know, it's yeah. uh, he's giving me big Coach urban Meyer at Florida vibes. If I'm being for real here, you're not far off there. Yeah. Um, the way that the coaching staff, the uh, administrative staff, all the way up to the SID and possibly the AD are just completely just going to Keeping bat up. for him, calling him, uh, saying he's a good kid. Pushing that narrative, and then he comes out and does the pat down bullshit. And, you know, uh, if you're a good kid, so called, you don't you don't welcome that. You don't embrace that. You don't invite no. that. And Somebody yeah, died. Not. And and look, I mean, you're not even like not even to say that he's a bad guy. We don't know. That's the whole point. But if you're a good kid, you're not going to go out there and do that shit and embrace you're not it and act mock like someone's a, death and act like the victim. I mean, that's yeah. the problem. It's not that. It's not that, uh, you know, we think that anybody thinks that uh, he's he's a bad dude. Look, that doesn't that does not look good. I think at the very least we can say that he has judgment issues, right? I think like at, whether at it's best. Like I mean, like at the very least he has some red flag judgment issues. He obviously made a horrible decision by bringing the gun to an inevitable murder. 
He he also made a horrible decision to make fun of the situation in this in this scenario. And the thing is, is like I saw some other uh, I, I saw uh, um, NBA Central um, tweet out that anonymous GMs are saying that this is not going to impact his draft stock at all. They're very excited about the prospect. If he's not got criminal charges, there's nothing to worry about. And then, like, mm. there's a lot to worry about here. You know, like, I get just, like, from the optics standpoint, it looks bad to be like, hey, I'm going to line up to bring this guy into my locker room who's been uh, who's been accused of this. But, you know, just general judgment that he's shown in both of these instances, whether it's at the night of the crime and then following uh, following the uh, following the uh, following the release of the details of the crime it just seems like it's it seems like he doesn't have uh, the maturity to be a person who needs to have that kind of spotlight of being a top uh, top echelon lottery pick player absolutely not and then there's there's also some details surrounding the thing that i haven't been able to make sense of um, such as them saying he wasn't at the scene of the shooting but then there's a conflicting where he was apparently he dri- was... Uh, driving a car, blocking the uh, blocking the victim, and had his and had his rear window shot, shot out, out, and then drove yeah. away. Okay, I mean, yeah. these are the types of things that we need. De- we need like details yeah. on. We need people, journalists, to take a look and uh, see what's going on. You hear yeah. me, journalists? Wow. Yeah. So uh, are we all uh, are we all in agreement here that he's a future Washington Wizard? Because when you think guns oh. in the locker room, you think wizards. Oh, I, I think criminal. I think Charlotte Hornet. To be honest, mm. it sounds like he'd be like he'd be but no charges. right up in that. No charges. <laughs> He's lining right up to land himself in uh, land himself in Charlotte. That's for sure. Drafted by uh, the Wizards and traded on draft night to Charlotte. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, so, uh, everyone, who's your vote for uh, the NBA this week? I'm going with uh, Brandon Miller in general. Hmm. Uh, the University of Alabama, its fan base, and the entire circus and circumstance involving this kid and his f- fucking stupidity. You guys are cowards. I'm going with Jason Kidd. Ah. <laughs> Big kid on campus. I changed my vote, Chuck. New kid on the block. <laughs> What's up, Chuck? So we're, we're going to have a three-way tie, uh, but I'm staying with Miller here. So You all, all right, well, assholes. <laughs> we're all winners. <laughs> Do you remember when? You motherfuckers. Cincinnati Royals. The words. 1957 yeah, to 1972. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I'm not disagreeing that they existed. I was just telling you it's a terrible name, and I'm glad they're dead. Should have been the Canaries. You're listening to the Fool Court Press Podcast. All right, thank you so much for uh, still listening to us and listening to self-indulge. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, our third segment here. Cool or fool? Now, as a simple reminder, remember we like to cool the topics that we don't agree with and fool them or fool with it uh, if we do agree. Now, Duke, take it away. Yeah, take and, it and, away. And, uh, double down on your reminder. If it's cool, that means we like it. And if it's fool, nah, I, don't, I don't mess with that. All right, so we kind of touched on this first one early, uh, pretty much right off the bat this episode. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> let's do it again. <laughs> let's, let's rehash. So, uh, Cooler Fool, number one. If the Hawks don't surge uh, following Quinn Snyder's hire, they... You bastard. If they don't surge, not Ibaka, following <laughs> Quinn Snyder's hire... They will trade Trey Young this summer. Cool or fool, Lufa? Um, I'm going to fool it. I don't think it will be this summer. It might be this trade deadline, and the next trade deadline. It might be the summer after. Um, I don't think that they're going to give a 20 game sample for Quinn Snyder without a training camp, without an ability to kind of like establish that rapport. Uh, to make a franchise-defining decision like that, especially since they brought him in presumably to uh, manage that relationship, so I, I think they'll give it a little bit more chance, a little bit more of a chance in twenty games. Uh, I'm going full here. I think that he, he's their guy. They drafted him. They're they're not going to move on from him. If they're going to move on from somebody, it's probably going to be Dejounte because he's new. He just got there. Trey Young knows the, knows the city. Everyone loves him in Atlanta the mecca so he's not going anywhere unless it's in free agency Films mm-hmm. i am gonna cool it i do think they will trade trey young this summer this I think summer that yes i do i think oh. that i mean he, we've seen what a messy bitch he is i mean yeah. it's come up over and over and over and over and over again he's a coach killer mm. So, I will definitively say there is no way under any circumstances that Trey Young is going to be traded this summer. If you think otherwise, then you're the fool. So, so what kind Done of a this. haul would you mm-hmm. even... Because Trey Young, unlike Kevin Durant and Kyrie, he's still in the prime of What's his What's the youth. contract situation for, for uh, Trey Young? He, he's what, 24 years long. old? 23? Uh, 23. Four, I think. Yeah, he's he's got probably a good 10, 15 years of basketball left in him, probably. Yeah, he's 24. Yeah. he uh, It's going to be a whole hell of a lot bigger return than four first-rounders, probably. Yeah, it may, may be. I don't, uh, I don't know. His name's been kind of, uh, you know, a little bit more sullied this season, I think, than prior years. But Okay, so Trey Young has three more seasons after this one, 40, 43, and $45 million apiece, and then he has a $48 million player option, which he'll likely decline in 2026-27. Yeah, that's a lot of team control. You probably get a, you probably get a hell of a haul. Um, I would think it would have to be a little bit more than what we saw for Donovan Mitchell, so we're looking at probably four... Four draft picks, some serious, uh, uh, some serious, maybe even close to what you saw for Kevin Durant. To be completely honest, mm. well, I, I'm uh, I'm here for it. I think I'd like to like the Hawks again. I wouldn't. <laughs> As someone who's local, I wouldn't. Well, take it to Buckhead City, pal. All right, listen here, Buckhead. Sorry, sorry, this the city of Buckhead City. Yeah. What a broken place. Moving on. Yes, America is. <laughs> All right. Number two. Cool or fool. So scoring's up. How many 60, 70 point games have we seen this season? To, to too many to count. Uh, Three. Luca uh, has one. Didn't Embiid get Who one? Who could know? Uh, 60 point games? I think it's just, isn't it just Luca Donovan and uh, Dame? Unfortunately, I thought there's Embiid no way had to find a 60, out. Or was he at 59? I think he had 59. Wow. Yeah. 
like I said, unfortunately, there's no way to find out. But with scoring up, we will see a player eclipse 80 points before the end of next season. Well, not if we're going to be putting the Elam ending into overtime. Nope. Playtime's over. I mean, most of those 60-point games had overtime built into it with the exception of Dame. Yeah, Lucas was, Donovan's was. Yeah, both of them ended up. Both of them ended up doing that thing where they they scored on their own uh, free throw to uh, to uh, on their own free throw rebound uh, to uh, put the game to overtime within listen, like a day of each other. Listen, buddy, you're not playing the game, right? Is it cool or fool? Oh, I'm gonna I'm going to uh, cool it. It's a terrible uh, uh, terrible thing that you just said, and uh, you're wrong for saying it. I just, uh, you know, yeah. I'm not saying these are my opinions, uh, obviously. So, I got to disagree here with Lufa. I'm going to fold this one. I, you know, I don't think we're going to have an 80-point score next year. Uh, I think maybe in the future, but I don't think any time in the relatively near future. I mean, how rare is it to even see someone hit fucking 70? 60s are once in a blue moon, and we've only had two 70s this year, but three in the decade. Like, I don't think so. Hmm. Well, I'm going to dare to be different. I'm going to say we will. Who's going to do I'm it? I'm going to cool it. Put her name out uh, there. Shit, man. I mean, we. I think Dame Terrence Ross. It. I mean, it could be anybody in the top tens in scoring that plays the Rockets. Son's life <laughs> Terrence Ross. Yeah, we could see the Houston 81, not the Houston 71. Could you imagine if like the if like some like bench player ended up doing like a 70 game, a 70 Ooh. point game, like oh, if I it like beca- if 70 cuz like cuz like you know, you have like you know the 50 point game like mark is like filled with like random random people like you know Corey Brown and Terrence Ross and stuff like that. Right, like, could you imagine if like it, like could you imagine if like eventually like 60 and 70 point games became something like that where it's just like littered with like these no namers who just like got hot one day from the three point line? God. Who's who is the bench player most likely to to hit like 70 points? Is there any um, 70 points? I don't know if there's anyone who could hit 70, but like, I mean, maybe Most Malik Monk? <laughs> oh, he was on a damn heater the other night. Him? Uh, if Cam Thomas gets uh, hot, he can put it Norm in. Powell's, I, I think Norm Powell's the hottest shooter right now from the bench in the league. <clears throat> Benedict Matherin in a few seasons, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, because it it'd have be to be a it'd like, have to be a straight gunner who just got yeah. fucking liquid fire hot, and the game goes to like two or three overtimes. Yeah, like, it would have to be maybe like Jordan Poole if he's still coming off the bench. Yeah, but he sucks no. when he comes off the bench. No, I'm just trying to think of anybody because it's not going to be a guy like Russ. Maybe if they put Hero back to the bench. You know what? In Miami, I'm going to say it here. Speaking of a guy like Russ, I think his 40 point days or 50 point days are behind him. Yeah. So there's no oh, way he's going to take a 60 or a 70. I'm, I'm, like, I'm surprised you decided to go out on that limb. That was very brave of you. Yeah, it's a real strong uh, you know what, limb. I, I think you know can support the weight guys, of Guys, I know, it's, I know it's crazy, but I just don't think Russ is going to score 100 points ever. You know what? I think his days of getting quadruple doubles are over with. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it was like uh, he, had a, he had like yeah. what seven turnovers in that game, so he's uh, getting pretty close to it. <laughs> wait to see, wait to see. Right? Just going to mark that down as the maybes. All right, Duke, moving on. 
All right, we'll stick with the little uh, Dame adjacent topic. So uh, he's having a career year this year. I don't think that's even debatable. Yeah, um, and their team is kind of ass. Yeah, well, that leads me to the to the third uh, cooler fool here. So if Portland was a top four seed, Dame would be the best candidate to give Jokic a run for MVP. Cooler fool. Let's go with Sandy this time. Uh, I'm going full here. I still think it would probably be Embiid or Tatum because Tatum probably specifically because of how well Boston's been just this entire season, and he's been unbelievable. He's still averaging over 30, so I think Tatum's probably – the closest to Jokic this year. Um, so I would probably have to cool this one as well, because I think Embiid, like I think you know, Embiid's got the gaudy numbers, plus he's got the story, uh, story beside uh, like uh, the storybook like games that make him like a narrative winner. Um, Dame, if Dame was able to get him into first place, I think that he would definitely win. Um, but fourth place, I don't know if that's high enough for him to like eclipse either Tatum or Embiid. So. Yeah, top seed was just was just too much of a a fantasy land for me to even make that question that that unrealistic. Well, fourth place is a fantasy land for Portland at the moment. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm also gonna fool it. I don't. Uh, I I don't think so. Hey, imagine how they'd look. A uh... Hell of a season. Imagine how they look this year if they had McCollum and he was playing like this. Wow, that'd be pretty good, huh? Might not be that much different, but I don't think it would be worse. It's not like Simons is the problem. No, I mean Simons is they the problem in the sense that they can't That's play the play defense. They can't play defense around Simons, but it's not like McCollum would fix that. No, they they are. Uh, I mean, they've got to be what the worst three or four teams in in team defense. Hey, now, yeah. Houston, we have a problem. But it's okay. They brought in Cam Reddish, who's like arguably the worst defender, uh, worst defender in the league after Trey Young. So yeah. no, that'll fix it. They got rid. They got rid of Josh Hart too. <laughs> Moving on. All right. So sticking with Portland, the best move Portland can make at this point is to sell high on Dame this offseason and start the rebuild. Cooler fool. I mean, realistically, I'm not sure that the like. I'm not. I don't think that that's ever going to be in the cards for them. Um, I'll, I'm gonna, I'm going to cool it. I think that what they need to do is move on from Simons. Um, I think that they have the opportunity to sell high on Simons, um, who could be a borderline All Star next season if he's in the right scenario, while also collecting the right type of youth players to build an actual defense around Dame. And then you know Dame's got the offense on lock, so you can always uh, you can build it uh, t- uh, like a top ten offense around Dame without uh, without much uh, much of a struggle. What you really need to do is build defense, and what you need to do is sell high on some of your offensive talent that people are going to overprice, um, and utilize that into building uh, a defensive stalwart. It'd be interesting to see, like you know, obviously next season, you know. Brooklyn's going to be looking to make some moves to put themselves into a little bit more firmer stance because they don't obviously don't want to tank and go into a full rebuild because they can't. Um, what does a Dorian Finney-Smith look like? And uh, is there a way that they could flip up? Oh, Lord, we lost him again. Dorian Finney-Smith or something like that. Like, Oh, God. Is he gone? Oh, no. Ah, shit. I lost you guys again. 
No, we oh, lost you, you. What are you talking about? Where did you? You uh, said Dorian Finney-Smith, and the first thing I thought was, well, no, they'd give up a lot of picks for Mikel probably instead of him. <laughs> well, I'm just like, like Smith, and I thought that was the end of the question. I was like, what? I think like a, I think a Simon's I think a Simon's like trade that uh, centers around building something a package around Dorian Finney-Smith and some other uh, some other yeah. talent. Uh, would uh, be something that would be uh, interesting to both parties, um, and I think would be something that would uh, so, greatly improve both teams uh, in that sense. So I'm going to fool this question here, and it's not because it's not the best trade piece they have, because clearly Dame Lillard will get you something with a contender, picks, assets, whatever, but uh, it's because he's not going to let them trade him. He doesn't want to leave. He's made it clear he wants to stay there, and he refuses to leave. He's not going to leave. He's not going to run from the grind. And Brad Bill, honestly, until I see otherwise, he's the same. He talks about, oh, I'm super patient over here, Brad Bill. Yeah, okay, whatever, bro. You signed that contract. Stop talking about it. At least yeah. Dame's honest when he says, hey, I'm not going nowhere. I don't want to be nowhere. I'm not running from the grind. That's his whole M.O. He's not leaving Portland. He's staying there. He's loyal to him. So they're, they're not going to move on from him. So full. Also, fool for me. He's uh, the only way I think he gets dealt is if he asks for a trade and and makes it a little messy for them. But I don't think he'd make it messy no for them. No, no, I, no. I know he's, he's shown no desire to leave. If he decided he wanted to go, I think they would move heaven and earth to get him to the situation, no matter what it is that he mm-hmm. wants to be in, because of how loyal he's been and what he's done. I, I think they they'd send him where he wants to go. I, uh, I I do believe you're correct there. I, I think that that is how that would go if it ever did, but I don't think we'll ever see it. No. Um, he's going to, I mean, he's their greatest player in franchise history. He's going to retire a Blazer more than likely. Maybe he might ring chase end of his career, maybe, but yeah. even that is, is kind of hard to see for me. I don't, I don't know that, that winning necessarily motivates him. In that way, I think he wants to win, but I think he doesn't want to be one of these guys who is like a chaser yeah. or a clinger on. Yeah. Or he wants to be the guy to do it, and he thinks he's got the talent to do it offensively. He definitely does, but they got to put pieces around him, man. They got to do. Better. I don't think. Yeah, I agree. I think. I think people mistake uh, being competitive with wanting the easy way, or like wanting just to win like i think there's a co- there's a competitiveness that uh, that can be identified in dame where he wants to be the guy he wants to that people it. want to win with he wants to earn it he wants to fight yeah he, doesn't, he wants to earn it he doesn't want it to be easy he doesn't he doesn't want people he doesn't want to he doesn't want to join other people he wants to be so good that people want to join him honestly i think that's the kind of competition that he's like he's fighting he's playing a different game than the rest of us hmm. um and the problem is you have uh, kind of like what we saw with uh, Gary Payton, the second. Yeah, he's the second, right? Yeah, yeah. Leaving uh, the, the issues with their medical staff, man, and just it seems like it's a little bit of a toxic atmosphere. I don't know what that necessarily relates to. If that, I don't think it necessarily relates to Lillard because you don't really hear anybody say a bad word about him. Well, I believe either this coming off season or the season afterwards, they have to sell the team uh, to comply with uh, to comply with the estate of 
uh, whatever the guy's name was. Oh right, Paul Allen. Paul Allen. Um, so uh, so they have to they have to sell the team within the next season or two. Um, so who knows what a new ownership would look like? I mean, there's a lot of uh, really rich people in the Seattle, Oregon, or like in the Washington, Oregon area that would definitely be attracted to the team. I know that there was a bid put in by um, the Nike guy. I can't think of his name right now. Um, Phil Knight. Phil Knight, yeah. So, uh, so Phil Knight had uh, put in a bid that, bid that was rejected, but you know there could be some real big money coming in, uh, real big sports science money as well coming into that organization. I wonder what that team would look like in two to three seasons. It's just, it's hard to imagine that team becoming competent and becoming a contender, and he's not there to enjoy the fruits of all the labor that he's put in for that franchise. So if they yeah. Get new owners in, and they deal him, and they end up building something. That's gonna sting like hell. I'd hate to see it. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I don't think he has any interest in doing that. No. Um, I think the I, I think the thought experiment here was: would it be better for the organization just to pull the plug? I don't think so either, because I don't even know what their draft situation is. But I, I feel like they've traded a lot of their draft assets um, for the team that they have right now. Because I know they traded one for Jeremy Grant. Um, and uh, I feel like there's been a few other ones that have been they, moved around. They, they sure don't seem like they have a, a definitive direction that they're moving towards. And they're just rotating than, guys in and out, trying to get different guys in there to see how yeah. they perform with little, how they fit, but none of them really yeah, are. It's, 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 it feels like a bit of a three-card money type thing. Yeah. They're just swapping well, they're, things out, you know? Their general manager is a draft guy, and this is his second draft. This will be his second draft. Um, so that's like, if you look at their last draft, they did excellent. They came out with Shaden Sharp, um, in the ninth pick. Um, and it looks like he has the potential of being a superstar. Um, but yeah, the, the guy who does the, uh, the guy who is the general manager of their organization right now, he was the former, uh, one of the former draft specialists for Draft Express, um, which is the, the NBA scouting team that's employed by ESPN. Um, so he used to work as at ESPN as well uh, previously. So he's, you know, I, I think that there's they have a promise. They have some promising uh, situations. It's also why he was so focused on collecting so many second round picks, uh, just because he has a lot of faith in his understanding of these upcoming draft classes. Do we think Yusuf Nurkic is long for that team? Do we think he's a viable trade piece or? He's not a viable trade piece. Kind of stuck with him <laughs> because he's always hurt. Is what it is. Yeah, like, I mean, his leg's shot. He's on a, uh, I think it's a four-year contract at $15 million a season. Uh, yeah, so he's yeah. he's in the first year of a four-year contract for uh, for that maxes out at $19 million a season. Now, so, yeah, he's overpriced on the tra- – he's he's overpriced as a center on this, and he's underperforming this contract already. There's no way they can get value for it. They could dump him, and but they'd have to pay for that. Now I want you to imagine a world where the Nuggets – Picked Nurk instead of Jokic and sent Jokic to Portland, and they had McCollum and Lillard and Jokic. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Jokic would get the ball in his hands enough. Mm-mm. He might not have developed the same way either. Yeah, that's yeah, a sad world. You got a good point there. Moving on. All right, last one. Uh, we're moving to draft talk of the current body Hawk. bottom four teams vying for the number one overall pick. The Spurs are far and away 
the best landing spot of the four for Vic. Who are the four? Cooler Fool. That'd be Detroit, San Antonio, Charlotte, and the other one. Houston. <laughs> Houston. Houston, thank you. So, um, sorry. I honestly think that uh, Lamelo and Wimbenyama, um, not a bad duo. Um, they're both young. Lamelo's 22, 23, 21. He's young as hell. Um, would uh, definitely have uh, you the case of the idea that Wimbenyama may be a pedophile. Oh my god! <laughs> no. Come on. Man. <laughs> We apologize again, Vic. It's the second time here. Uh, take two here on the apology, Vic. We been love ya. We As podcasters, we make mistakes. Uh, so, I mean, that's not a bad duo to be your young core. The, the Spurs, their their best young piece right now is Keldon, I guess. Who? Keldon Johnson. No, no, no their best young piece is Vasquez. Oh, yes, Devin. Yeah. yeah, and then they also, you know, obviously Jeremy Sochan has uh, been great this season. Br- uh, Brandon has been uh, really good in the absence of uh, uh, Ty Jones. Um, so yeah, I mean they they have a they have a lot like they have a like they have a roster right now, um, which is good. You know they they have a lot of depth. I'm still gonna I'm still gonna be cool on it though because I think Detroit. No, is uh, is the best spot for him. No, I mean pairing him with pairing him with Ivy and Cade. Um, they have enough big depth where he doesn't that he wouldn't be expected to play the center. Where I think that would be a problem for him. Mm. Um, he could facilitate the offense. I mean, like, like if you look at it, like a Cade, Ivy, Wemby, uh, Beef Stew, and Duran lineup. I mean, that's a that's a menace. And I think that would be really exciting. Um, I would rank San Antonio probably second. Um, third place would definitely be uh, would definitely be uh, Charlotte over Houston. Yeah. I think Houston would be the worst option of all of them, just because the roster in Houston doesn't make sense. And I think that like I think there might be an opportunity for Sangoon and Wemby to have kind of a chemistry, but I don't see where. Porter fits into that. I don't see where where Green fits into that. Um, I can see Green and Wemby having a chemistry. I wouldn't see where Sangoon fits into that. So I, it, it's just there's such a mess there as a roster that uh, I think that I would uh, I would really hope that he doesn't land there. And I also hope that Scoot doesn't land there, just because I, I just don't want anybody to go there because I think it's just such a mess. Okay, so I maybe Miller Miller can go there. He can go to Charlotte. So, um, <laughs> I think that w- I have to go Spurs, and it's not even because of the talent. I think it's because I would much rather see him developed with Popovich than I would with Dwayne. That Casey. is agree. That is a great. That is a great point. I, I think that uh, Pop, uh, like I think Pop deserves it. <laughs> like if anything, it's just like it'd be just be good for him to go out with uh, yeah. with like with another championship kind of thing, or, or with a team that's like really young and exciting, leveling um, up I another all world guy. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, he he got twenty, uh, he got twenty five or twenty years out of uh, out of um, drafting Duncan. Duncan. Maybe he get, get maybe he can live to one hundred and thirty, like riding on the Wemby uh, Wemby coattails, or just like have him for his first five or so seasons and see him develop, and then be like, hand off the reins to Duncan to coach. Don't don't ruin the ship here, guy. I got you your your guy. And- no, it's, I, I think I, I think you're right. The culture in uh, the culture in San Antonio is a, is a good a good argument. I still think that just the sheer talent that uh, that he'd be playing with um, in uh, Detroit would be interesting, and I would like to see that. I think, I think De- Detroit would be exciting. Um, Detroit has more I, mouth I, to I, fade. I like I, I like Detroit's front office a lot better too. Of all the four, to be honest. How good is your front office when you think Dwayne Casey's the guy? Coach of the year, Dwayne Casey. Y'all ran him out of there the year he won it. Yeah, I mean, and then we won a championship. But, I mean, like, I mean, I don't hate Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey, prior to Nick Nurse, was the best coach ever in Toronto, uh, Toronto Raptors history, right? So he was the architect of a turnaround that was unprecedented in that franchise's history. So, yeah, um, LeBron don't I don't hate like, him either. I like... Uh, I like the idea of uh, Dwayne Casey playing with a team that's actually competent. Unfortunately, he's just never had a roster in Detroit that's relatively competent. So, yeah, well, neither did Stan Van Gundy. I think with the uh, the Pistons, but he built that roster. That's a difference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's fair. I think another point for the Spurs is all those young guys you name on the Pistons. It's just more mouths to feed, more people the ball's got to go to. Victor gets less time to shine. I don't think so. I, I mean, like, I think that they all play a different role than what Victor does. Like, that's where, like, that's where, like, I think the Houston fit doesn't make a lot of sense because I think there's a lot of players on Houston that are already kind of, you know, poor man Wembies. Whereas, really, can we officially just rename that city? Can we? Can we call that? Can we just name them Purgatory? I mean, and the other thing is about Houston as well is like they're going to be making some crazy moves this offseason. You know that they're going to be making some crazy moves this offseason because they don't own their draft after this offseason. It's all going to uh, it's all going to OKC. Yeah, you and I were talking just a couple nights ago about about Shingoon, and uh, I think we both landed on the uh, we both agree that he's probably not going to be a rocket for very long. I think we both hoped. Yeah, more than yeah. anything, yeah. just because like really I like him, because like I think Shangun's a kind of player that needs his he needs his hands on the ball, particularly in the low, po- uh, mm-hmm. particularly in the high post, um, and I just can't see either Scoot or Wemby being something that could complement that. I think where where Wemby and him would have a nice marriage is that obviously Shangun's uh, biggest weakness is his post defense. And I think Wemby gives you a lot of that, uh, whereas uh, whereas like Wemby can work a little bit more on the outside. He can be somebody who could have like a nice, maybe a nice pick and roll running with uh, with uh, Shangun, and Shangun could really kind of facilitate the offense with Wemby being more of a cutter in that sense. There there could be a marriage there, but also like if you listen to or read that article by Brian Windhorst uh, of uh, of ESPN. Um, it sounds like Wemby wants the ball in his hands and he wants to be the facilitator, which is going to be awkward with any of these picks because, you know, like, you know, LaMelo's going to be the ball dominant guy in Charlotte, you know, Cade's going to be the ball dominant guy in Detroit. You know, I think, I think, uh, the Spurs don't really have a ball dominant guy at this point in time. 
um, that that makes sense. So maybe in that sense, the Spurs are the ideal organization. But I still think that the partnership of like a Cade, I just like I'm thinking that lineup: Cade, Ivy, Wemby, Boyan, or Beef Stew, and uh, and then throwing in like a Durin. Like that's. And then like, and then you get you, like then they have to fill out their bench. But I mean, they're getting some promising minutes mm-hmm. out of Bagley right now with Duran being injured. Uh, Wiseman ha- is having a uh, having a little bit of a, a nice uh, a nice few games. They definitely have him on the roster next season. So I mean, they have some depth at the big uh, big lineup, which means that you don't have to put a lot of physical pressure on uh, Wemby right away in the NBA, and maybe have him play more of a three four, and kind of like a combo wing player. Yeah. Who gives you some strong wing, def- uh, uh, like uh, a strong defense, um, in the perim- uh, in the uh, in the post, similar to like Kevin Durant almost. Um, so I mean, like I, I think that would be the ideal location just based off of the roster. Um, but yeah, and I think with that lineup there, ideally you have Bojan uh, handling the ball primarily. He's he's the one. Well, one thing with uh, one thing with. Uh, Wemby is he's got big feet and big knees, so he's probably very good at uh, catching uh, catching kicked balls. <laughs> Moving on. Is that it for Cool and Fool? That's it. That's all five. All right. Uh, now we wanted to talk uh, MVP straw poll. Um, so, Duke, I know that you had uh, some thoughts on this. We were going to address it last week, but um, with your uh with your uh duties as a as a father and just as a general uh mechanic um of your car uh we decided uh to postpone it um, you're a mechanic so i just wanted to uh I just wanted to get your uh get your thoughts uh on the mvp strapple what are you thinking i mean it's uh <laughs> should be no surprise Jokic far and away in the lead I've been banging this drum for way too long this season, um, to the point where I'm sure it's annoying. Uh, no. The thing that kind of irked me is the baseball or fucking baseball basketball writers who really are just going out of their way to make a case for other people and Mm. not, in my opinion, not doing a very good job at it. Um, it, it basically amounts to well, Giannis is on a good team, and that's it. <laughs> he's and he's really good. And you got to come stronger than that. Yeah. So uh, just to give you guys a heads up, uh, the straw uh, straw poll three point um, by Tim Bontemp showed that Nikola Jokic was by and far um, by far in the lead um, over Joel Embiid, Giannis Antetokounmpo, John Morant, and Jason Tatum. Um, only uh, Jokic, Embiid, and uh, Antetokounmpo uh, were able uh, received any first place votes, um, but Nikola Jokic led that with tw- 62 first place votes, uh, Embiid with 29, and Giannis with nine. Um, one of the things that we heard uh, consistently following the straw poll was people weren't surprised that he was winning, but a lot of people were surprised that he was winning by so much, largely because the poll came strictly. Uh, came so quickly on the heels of Embiid having that dominant game over Denver, um, which people misinterpreted as a dominant game over Jokic. Um, 
And then obviously, you know, I, here's here's the thing that I I, I agree with you, uh, Duke, um, with regards to like people saying that the team's success is what matters. Denver is the best team in the West. Like, I mean, in his in his conference, he's on the best team. He's the best player on that on that conference in that conference. He's the he has all of the stats that prove that he's the best player in the league. Where I would argue that Giannis has an actual case for the first uh, uh, for uh, for the MVP is that Giannis is arguably a top two or three defensive player of the year candidate, along with um, being the sole driver of an offense on a team that's been largely hurt throughout the season, um, and he's been able to keep as the second best team in the league. Um, behind only the Boston Celtics, so I, I think that uh, I think there is legitimate arguments for both. I would uh, my vote is still with uh, with Jokic, but I'm not. Uh, I wouldn't be mad if Giannis won it. I think Giannis could uh, like deserve uh, deserves uh, a fair representation in that debate as well. Who? Okay, so who do you think has a better supporting uh, Jokic or Giannis? Jokic. I mean, if like if I'm looking at two completely healthy rosters, mm-hmm. who do I think is better? Do I think um, Holiday is better than Murray? Yes. Do I think Middleton is better than Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr.? No. Um, that said, so I would say that I, I would say it's pretty close, even. Though. I would say it's pretty even, but that said, the injuries on Milwaukee have been significant compared to what you're seeing out of uh, out of Denver. Like Middleton has been in and out of the lineup all season. You know, Giannis has missed some time. You know, uh, you know, Holiday has missed some time. Um, you know, I think that overall, when it, when you go push comes to shove, I th- I would say that this season. Jokic has been playing with a better, more consistent roster than Milwaukee has. Even though I think talent-wise, all things being equal, they are pretty even. I would give the benefit probably to Milwaukee because I don't think um, I don't think anybody is comparable to Brook Lopez. Hmm. On the yeah. Nuggets side, yeah, no, they don't have they don't have anyone like that. That's a, that's a true. Uh, and Bobby Portis coming in off the bench. Yeah. There's, there like I think that uh, yeah I think the Bucks have a better roster when all things are equal. But not all things have been equal right now through the this yeah. season. Yet Giannis has kept the Bucks chugging along. Like the Bucks have never uh, they they've obviously they're looking dominant right now. I think they're on a, what a 15 16 game winning streak, something stupid like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, but earlier in the season they were right there pacing with uh, with um, the Boston Celtics who were looking like the best team that's ever played basketball they were play- pacing with them throughout the season while he w- while the team was looking fundamentally broken throughout the season and a lot of that has to do with the fact that Giannis is just he's just a he's the great equalizer he changes everything every time he's on the court so i, I like i said i think Giannis has a very valid argument for being uh for being a mvp i wouldn't i wouldn't uh, be upset with anybody who's who votes for uh, votes for him. I do think that just the sheer logic of it all, it looks like Jokic deserves it, and the uh, and I I would I don't see a reason why he shouldn't get it. 
Yeah, I think that uh, he's far and away the best the best player in my opinion, and uh, I'm not discounting the defensive impact that that Giannis has either. But uh, it does kind of irk me a little bit when people say that Jokic is a bad defender. He's he's fine. He's as good yeah, as he needs to be. He's a good defender. Like, he's yeah. not like Especially he's not like season. it's not like he's Trey Young. You know, it's not like he was like what Donovan Nobody Mitchell is. was for Utah, right? Like, you know, he's he's a plus he's a plus defender. Like, I mean, if you look at most defensive defensive metrics, he's actually a very good defender. Um, the reason why we don't give him those uh, that criteria of being a really good defender is because of eye test. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, That's the a big part of it. If we if we were going off of the numbers alone, we would say he was a plus defender. He was a good defender, but because we watch him. And we see that he moves a little bit slower. His skin's a little paler. He doesn't jump very high. We uh, we assume that he's a bad defender. Yeah, agree. Um, Sandy, did you have any thoughts? No. <laughs> Jokic is the MVP. Move on. All right. So uh, <laughs> as simple as so that, the, man. I'm glad so you next thing that I'm, for me. <laughs> So the next thing I wanted to talk about is, uh, you know, something that we've been seeing a lot around the uh, around the NBA media is teams or players that have the most pressure to win a championship this yeah. season. And I was wondering what your guys' answer to that question was. So I'll start off with Sandy. Sandy, if you would name a player or a team right now that you think is going to be in a lot of trouble if they don't either make a really deep run in the playoffs or win a championship outright, who would you say that would be? Uh, my top three would be Tatum, Jokic, and Chris Paul. In that order. Why would you say Tatum? Because he made the finals just a year ago, and they're even better this year. It's weird because I, I think that Tatum's done more. Like Tatum's still pretty young. Like what is he? Like twenty five? Right. Yeah. Like so and, uh, you you're know, playing he's right done now. So much already. He, he like his prime is still ahead of him. You know what I mean? Like sure. I feel like he's got but, a lot of. Ba- I think he's got a lot banked. Right now you're playing with house money if you're the Celtics. You flame out this year. The fans are going to start to get complacent. Well, they saw again in the finals just a year ago. Horford's another year older. Yeah. The core's another year older. Uh, Time Lord, you know, he, he he's he's there. But, you know, Horford, eventually, he's going to retire. And then you got to find a way to replace that guy. And Brown, you know, him and Tatum, right now is perfect. But eventually, he might want to be the alpha in this dynamic. Uh, Marcus Smart, you know, he's not going to forever be able to continue to do what he's doing. Um, so I, I guess here's a thought experiment for you, Sandy. So if everything goes to chalk right now in the East, we would see Boston. We would see Boston uh, play Cleveland, Milwaukee play Philly in the second round of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Which of those teams doesn't make it out of the second round? If they don't make it out of the second round of the playoffs, which of those teams do you think it would be worse for? I think it'd be Boston. Boston? I think it'd be Boston. But they made the finals a year ago. Milwaukee, yeah. they've had injuries all year. Embiid and Harden, all you ever hear is, oh, this, that, and the other. They've got Doc Rivers they can blame if they don't make it out of the second round because that's just what he does. Like, yeah. I think it's Boston. And, I, and I, it doesn't matter how young Tatum is. You made it there. 
you were right there at the finish line and you couldn't cross it. This is the year where you're supposed to do that. Same question, Duke. What do you think? Um, so you have Boston versus Cleveland, and let's say Cleveland wins. Or let's say Philly, uh, Philly versus Milwaukee, and Milwaukee wins or Philly wins. Which team coming out uh, that doesn't come out of the second round has like which one do you think it would be worse for? Um, I think Philly. I mean, they're. I think that the the combination of Embiid and Harden are probably under the most pressure, in my opinion, of anybody to win this season. Yeah. Um, just the way that team's been constructed, um, I, I think that uh, if they don't. If they don't make a, a, a push, and I think that we're, we're going to see some pieces moved. I think if you're in the East, if I was to ask which team is the most pressure to make at least a deep run in the playoffs, it's going to be Philly. Because mm-hmm. Harden has the te- player option. He's already on a team discount. There's always there's already rumors of him wanting to go back to Houston. He hired an agent, which Harden famously doesn't hasn't had an agent for about 10 years. So why did he hire an agent? You know, um, so if there is, so this has a prime opportunity of blowing up. And if Harden leaves, then you have Embiid going into the last two years of his contract. He hasn't had the success that he wants to have. They're going to be in a position where they have to start talking about a contract extension. You know, there that's that's a huge can of worms that's going to be opened up in there. And the on the west side, the same can be said. About Dallas. Dallas. Dallas has, yeah, Dallas. It, Dallas has Kyrie. No problem. They can't sign Kyrie to an extension until the off season. He's on the last year of his contract. Kyrie can walk for nothing. If they do not make a big push in this uh, in this regular season, they're not only going to not have Kyrie. They're also not going to have the assets they traded to get Kyrie. And Luca is going to be extension eligible this offseason and every time we've seen these supermax players come to be extension eligible that's when the mess begins to happen if it's going to happen so this is the question here you said which player you didn't say which teams you said which player or team so so you're going mavericks or you going Kyrie? i'm going i'm going mavericks and i'm going philly okay I, I I think Tatum's got more pressure than Luca does. I don't. I I guess like I think Luca's I, I, been I in think, the league less time. I think he's had less opportunities than Tatum has. It's not. It's not that Luca has the pressure. The Luca's got the pressure on the organization to do something. That's why they made the desperate play for Kyrie. They used pretty much all of their assets that they can use to get Kyrie. And if Kyrie, if they don't make a decent push this off in this playoff, and Kyrie ends up walking, then Luke is going to be left with worse team than he had at the beginning of last season, with not a really pr- bright op- like not a really bright future either, because they traded almost all of their first round picks moving forward that they can trade. So, 
And and he's going to be coming up for an extension, which gives him the utmost leverage when it comes to deciding where he's going to be. So I, I think that I think that there is a hell of a lot of pressure right now on the Mavericks to make a decent push this playoffs. They may not necessarily need to win a championship, but they need to be good enough to make it seem like Kyrie needs to stay, or at the very least, they can sign and trade him. So last year they made the conference finals. If they make the conference finals again this year, but don't win, is that a failure? I mean, I guess it depends on what they look like in the conference finals. The, the West is really weak right now. I don't know if they, I, I don't I don't know if they feel that, like that they're... I, I, people keep saying the West is very weak. I think the West is very competitive with one another because the West has a lot yeah. of talent. I don't think they're weak at all. I think... I, I think if you're looking at the if you're looking at the three best teams in the league right now, they're in the East because they have a weaker conference at the bottom to play against. Well, that's not true. I, I mean, they don't get to play against San Antonio and Houston, who are the most losing teams in the league in the like the in the in the new year, right? But, like, I mean, but they the, don't have the to bottom play half of the LeBron, and they don't have to play against Devin Booker, and they don't have which to play is like the Lakers the are also a, one of the worst teams in the league. The Portland is another one of the worst teams in the league. Like I mean, yeah, and, the, and then the well, the four spot in the standings between four and thirteen is also a separation of about so, four games. So the Grizzlies, who just a few weeks ago looked like world beaters, you said you you'd have them your one seed i believe they go on in the, in the west yeah yeah they, they lose nine of 11 or something like that and all of a sudden they're like the six or the seven and like well there's there's still a second seed last time i checked yep um Holding on by a game and a half which uh because which spoke to just, what i actually yeah. said which is what which is that the nuggets and the grizzlies had an insane lead and the, a team would have to have a complete meltdown for them to come out of the first or second and they place. had that meltdown uh, but they're still in second place. Hanging on. <laughs> like, the same um, in the same breath, we're talking about the Suns being oh, like like, like a play-in team. And there's a four seed. Like I okay. Well, so like the Suns, uh, like the Suns are a better team than when we we had that discussion. Obviously, but the Suns are an incomplete roster. Um, I don't. And they also they're also reliant on some pretty injury-heavy players. Um, so if you're asking me right now. Would I take Philly over the Suns? No. Would I take? Uh, or, 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 sorry, I, I wouldn't take the Suns over. Uh, I wouldn't. Would I take the Suns over Philly? No, I wouldn't do that. I would say that the t- best three teams in the league right now are Boston, Milwaukee, Philly. Then I would probably say Denver, Cleveland are pretty close to each other. Um, and then after, and then after that, you'll have about three or four Western teams. But at the end of the day, I think making it to the Western Conference Finals is going to be a lot easier. The making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I I, I think um, because you don't have to play one of the three best teams to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I I just think that when you look at oh, it here, I I think those top teams in the West, any 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 one of those top five or six teams can beat any of those teams in the East. It doesn't matter who they are. And I I don't think it's true for the East. I don't think the Cavs. Are, are gonna go into like Denver and win the finals against that team. I, I just I don't buy that. But I think Denver will go into Cleveland and beat them. Yeah, and I think it'll be a lot closer than you think best, it is. I think Sorry? Denver's got the best home record in the league too. Well, I mean, Denver has, a, that's that mile has the high best home court. Yeah, uh, yeah best court, uh, yeah. home that's, court advantage. That's, that's so. been a thing for yeah. decades now. <laughs> that's that's normal. I but yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, like I, 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 
But to answer your question, I don't know if even making it to the Western Conference Finals would be enough for uh, It depends for on how they the look. Mavericks yeah, I get you. Because I think it really depends on how they look. Because I think that they could be um, relatively incohesive and still end up you know, getting there, depending on how the bracket breaks for them. Because there is a possibility of them playing you know, some pretty you know, you know, average or mediocre teams in the Western Conference to make it there. Well, we'll see. I think Dallas peaked too early. No. Well, I mean, the good news for Dallas is Maxi Kleba is coming back from injury. Uh, I'm not sure if he did make it into the Ross. If he's if if they're playing tonight or tomorrow, I can't mm-hmm. remember. But it's tomorrow. Um. Yeah. So he's supposed to be coming back, and that's the he's he was the linchpin to their defense before their defense fell apart once he got injured. Um, now, obviously, they're much worse defensive team without uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and replacing that with Kyrie Irving. But, you know, if, if there's any hope of them putting together a team that can put together any form of stops, it's going to have to include Maxi Kleber. While we're on the maps, can we go on and put to rest this uh, Josh Green guy? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, just... Is going to put that, that put put that one to bed. That, that blew up like a Cam Thomas. Yeah. Um. But yeah. No. So it gets so circling back. I'd say that if I was to say which teams would have the most pressure on them to do uh, do any form of performance in the playoffs, it would be the Mavericks. It would be the Philadelphia 76ers. because I think they have two star players that are. Definitely uh, ones that I think a lot of people are looking at when they c- talk about the next disgruntled uh, next disgruntled superstar on the moves. Okay. Okay. And a lot is riding on their their rosters. Their le- both of their rosters are highly leveraged on some pretty unpredictable players in Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Well, let's see what happens. I just. I got a feeling that the winners coming out of the West this year, that like they usually do. What? Do you remember when? It it lives forever. It rises from the ashes once it well, dies. It doesn't live so... forever. It just yeah. keeps getting reborn. Yeah. Well, it also it keeps clearly on has a very painful moment where it bursts into flames and is burned into ashes. How, how do you now? How do you know it's painful? Have you ever burned into flames? I've, like I've I've definitely burned myself before. I can I can. But you have that it's not the most experience. If it was my entire body as I turned into ash, I would imagine it would not be any more enjoyable. I think it would be instantaneous. <laughs> I don't think it would hurt at all. I think it's just a snap of the fingers. Oh, hey, I'm frozen. I mean, the I feel like I feel like you know this is a great opportunity for our first science experiment. And that's exactly what the suns are going to do this year. They're going to rise from the ashes. <laughs> They're going to burst into flames. <laughs> and hopefully, they get reborn with a 20 year old Chris Paul. Trade this motherfucker. Get him off my team. <laughs> You're listening to the Fool Court Press Podcast. Alright, everybody. Welcome back to uh, the Fool Court Press Podcast. The only podcast made by Fools for Fools. Um, now it's time for Duke's Movie Review. Previously on Duke's Movie Review, we had Duke review the first half of Paranorman. Uh, he followed it up with the first half of the Paranorman wiki page. Then he uh, followed up by reviewing the Paranorman movie trailer. 
then a he had a couple problematic paranormal uh, reviews that he tried to do, but we didn't we didn't air those. That was uh, that was pretty awkward. Um, he then reviewed Sonic Two, which he said was pretty good. Pretty good. Then he uh, reviewed uh, Paranormal Activity Two, which he said was pretty good. Pretty good. Then he uh, reviewed Holiday Inn, which he said was bad. Was bad. Space Jam Two, that he said was awful. I believe was that what it was? Terrible. Toilet. Water. Absolutely dreadful. Toilet water. Someone that, say. Then he uh, slept through the first hour of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, but then he watched the rest of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, and he said it was okay. That was all right. Followed it up with Thor Love and Thunder, which he didn't like. Bad. Then he reviewed a turkey sandwich, which he did think was pretty good. Pretty good. That was really good, yeah. That was delicious. And then, uh, and then he last week he reviewed uh, the former Spike TV, uh, TV series, uh, Thousand Ways to Die. Uh, which he uh, fell asleep through. Yeah. Man, never even seen it. Pretty good. Pretty never good. Never heard of it. So Same paranormal. What the hell are we talking about here? All right. So, Duke, exactly. did you watch the second half of Paranorman? I'll tell you, it's award season, and I am getting in the mood, baby. Sexy. I watched some Top Gun Maverick. Ah, uh, <laughs> Luca, Kyrie, Mark Cuban. Yes. Top Gun Mavs. Yeah, they got a lot of pressure good. on them this season. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good, man. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, so, you know, last uh, I'd say the last um, hour was really like really good. First All hour, right. Eh. Just skip to the skip to the part where they're going out on their little mission or whatever. Do they go watching. into the danger zone? Oh man, yeah, dude, yeah. <laughs> All right. Do they fly? Time. Right into the danger zone. Okay. Yeah, they took the highway. Duke, I got an impromptu <laughs> question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. Who, me? Yeah. You're Duke, right? Duke, okay. So, yeah, I didn't hear, we already I didn't know. Hear you say Duke or Lufa. Number one is Tom Cruise. So, two through four, or two through five, who are your top five best runners in movies? Hmm. Well, my the first reason. is... Is Tom Tom Cruise in uh, Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol? My second would be Tom Cruise in Jerry Maguire. My third would be Tom Cruise in hmm, Mission Impossible: Fallout. And my fourth would be uh, hmm. Let me think about that one. That's a tough one. So tricky. I guess Tom Cruise in uh, in uh, Eyes Wide Shut. Mm. The fat guy, uh, the fat guy from uh, uh, from Hot Fuzz. Yes, yes. Uh, number five. Whatever his name is. The fat guy. Yeah, number five. <laughs> what is his uh, name? I don't. I don't know. I Nick think it's Wright? Nick something. Is it Nick Wright? No, Nick Wright is a obnoxious uh, commentator on Fox. First things first. His name. Nick. Something. It is Nick something. Pretty sure it's Nick something, yeah. Not Maybe it's Nick, Nick wrong. Frost. Nick Frost, there we go. Hey, we solved it. Teamwork. Nailed it. Yeah, teamwork. You looked it up and I sat there saying it's definitely Nick something. Yeah. <laughs> he had my back and I appreciate it. And I'll that. forget this All in right. ten minutes. Alright, now for Baldy Soccer Seconds. So uh, I was watching time. soccer. <laughs> And uh, I just gotta say, we should just love one another, man. Why? Why, why do you I make him we, sound like a high as shit? Hippie? I just, 
I just wish we just loved each other some more, man. Why don't they just love each other? Just love them up. Love them up. That's what Anyways, Jesus Chelsea sucks. Go, man, Manu. Potter out. His name is Manu. Ginobili! <laughs> Alright, so that'll do it for today's uh, Full Court Press Podcast, so thank everybody for uh, joining us. Uh, you can reach us on our voicemail number at 724-FU-FOOLS at 724-383-6657. You can reach us on Twitter at F Court Press uh, or send topics and suggestions to FCP Podcast. FCP um, Rundown. FCP Rundown, sorry. It, the, yeah. the thing didn't copy. No one does it over. anyway. Um, anyways, uh, everybody, uh, everybody say goodbye. Bye. Um, so actually the East is due <laughs> to win this year. I was looking this up. The, it goes Warriors, Raptors, Lakers, Bucks, Warriors. So the, uh, just to dump a little cold water on your little narrative there. Yeah. Sandy was wrong as always. Bye, Sandy. Um, Don't call me Sandy, <laughs> fuckheads. <laughs> All right. Peace out. Oh, so, no. what'd you guys think of the last episode? Uh, how would you rate uh, rate your appearances? I thought it was pretty damn funny. <laughs> but I, I can't believe the Baldy lifted so much. That was uh, ooh, yeah, Herculean. <laughs> yeah, he he actually did some research. Which I mean, if there was an episode that you guys were gonna bail on, that would probably be the one that was. Like, <laughs> you know what? You know, I, thank I God. <laughs> I don't think he's really sick tonight. I think he's just like, you know what? I worked extra hard last week. I'm, he's like, I'm, I'm tired. I need to take some PTO. <laughs> Fuck you guys. I, I did too much last week. I need a day. <laughs> you guys get paid for this? <laughs> <laughs>